You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Steady Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. This your boy, 35, y'all American. And Dan. I'm back, fellas. I'm feeling refreshed. I needed last week to bounce back. Uh, appreciate all the love and the concern and prayers and everything else, man. Same corner, same time. I'm pulled up. What's up? How y'all boys feeling? What's up? What's yeah. up? Um, Ahmad's uh, back with his uh, his Twitter account. Yeah, yeah I was I, I was physically sick, and he was social media sick. I, you know, you know what? It, as bad as it sounded, it was like the first like like yeah, man. It was it was a cool little break, especially when I got back on and seen all the shenanigans, all all the coaches we fired since I've been gone. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I came back. <laughs> we fired the whole staff. Really, shit. Um, I, I, see, I see. The, I, the I see. Dad got fired too. Shit, what? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? And so, I got uh, I got canceled by the city of Jacksonville today on Twitter. Oh man, Dan. But but needless I, I, to say, I, I, I'm being honest, honest, uh, Dan Dan had it coming with that, bro. I don't know what he was thinking. When he let that go, I was like, yo, that's gonna be a busy day of tweets right I there. Think, I, I think I saw the tweet when Dan was like, you gotta live in Jacksonville or something like that. Yeah, it's a major caveat that Urban Meyer, whoever takes a Jacksonville job, will have to live in Jacksonville. I fired it off as a very friendly thing, not thinking that many people would see it. Uh, then all of a sudden, Jags Twitter got a hold of it. Derek Tyson saved like 77 different pictures of houses in Jacksonville on his phone to like <laughs> combat how beautiful Jacksonville is. And then all of a sudden, all these <laughs> random people on Twitter are coming after me. I muted the thread after like six minutes. So like I went back and read it like four or five hours later. It was wild. It's wild. I don't think people realize when you mute it, when you mute a thread that they're just talking to themselves for a while, but. Uh, but to but to the nine oh four, I apologize if I offended you by saying that you had to live there. It was it was just a joke. No, nah, I mean you struggled you struggled court. Yeah, you know, <laughs> as, a, as, as a person that got off that joke before, I knew you was in trouble because I got that off before. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you, that is, that is the last time that I fire off a tweet about Jacksonville for at least a week. I, I try to say those because bro, I don't need no unnecessary animosity in my inbox, dog. On my, my mentions, bro. So. Cause they'd be ready to jump on me anytime I say something. So okay. yeah, they, were, they were ready. They were ready. Uh, How's y'all boys New Year's? How did y'all bring in 2021? Oh man, I was uh, I was at the in-laws, man, and just taking my social media break and just in, in, enjoying the, the time. And uh, my family couldn't be together, so my family uh, on my on, on my parents' side, on my mom's side, decided to make have a Zoom call with all with everyone uh, for New Year's. So everybody got there. Drink a choice. Mine was some water and, and, and a cup of ice, um, and, and we brought in the new year, you know, with my wife and whatnot. So, what about you, Dan? I um, I was I was here in Tampa. I, I went out uh, with a group for New Year's. Tried to social distance as best we could uh, with, with that. Uh, met a couple of people that listen to the podcast, so I don't totally remember your names. But if you uh, saw me um, on uh, Thursday night, uh, shout out to you guys. 
Um, but I don't know, probably four or five people came up uh, where we were at and, and said hello and that they're a fan of the show and, and all that. So shout out to you guys. Uh, but outside of that, um, I just hung out on New Year's Day. I had a very relaxing day on New Year's Day. It was a, it was a beautiful uh, time off of work uh, just to try to be able to enjoy the, the weather we have here. So what would you get yourself into? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, unlike Dan, when you see me, um, buy me a shot. That's the vibe. So um, done Julio. That's what I want. I didn't do anything New Year's, man. Uh, I needed to catch up on rest. Obviously, everybody listened to the last show and kind of know that I got a lot going on. So um, I snuck out snuck out a couple of times during the week to be able to get some stuff done. But mostly, though, I've just been resting up, trying to pod where I can and, and stay active. But I've been on a little hiatus from social media. Not totally like a mod, but I haven't been ripping off the tweets like I normally do, man. I just needed that that, that fresh reset for 2021. So me and the wife just kicked it. Um, kids kicked it. We got a ball of Bel Air. You know what the Bel Air is, Dan. Um, That's your Bel Air Dan. There you go, Bel Air Dan. So we got a bottle of his and hers Bel Air. I got the white bottle. She got the black bottle. And we just chilled right here on the couch, watch some movies and a little news and just vibe. Nothing crazy, man. I want to bring it in restful. Yeah, we I uh so I normally I would say you could buy me a shot. We had a we had a bottle service situation going on. Oh, so okay, flex like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I don't, you know. Um, but we we had a good time. We had a really good time. And then I bought a new car as well. Um day before New Year. So I Big went whips. in yeah, yeah. So I went in, I, I was having a couple sensor issues. And you know how these cars get now they have all these electronics and everything else in them. So having a couple sensor issues. I'm like, hey, like, what, what what are the cost of cars going for these days? Payments, all this stuff. They asked me some questions about where I'm at. I was like, oh, it's paid off, all that kind of stuff. Uh, one thing leads to another. Two and a half hours later, I walk out. Uh, so shout out to the uh, to the good folks uh, over at uh, Audi Clearwater for for hooking it up. And uh, Meta guy is a big fan of the show too. So shout out to him. Yeah, you keep running to all these fans of the show. Did he give you his employee discount? <laughs> you know, but I got a funny story to share. I'll share it offline because I don't want to okay. get in trouble. But but very, very <laughs> funny story. Uh, hey, and, and shout out to uh, shout out to the finance guy that was so desperate to make a sale that he could meet his uh, his quota on getting the ceramic stuff uh, put on your card so that you don't have to like wax it as often or ever for giving it to me for for one cent a month uh, for the life of uh, the next five years or four years, whatever for, uh, so he could hit his, uh, so he get his quota for the year. So shout out to him for doing that. That's a hell of a deal. That's a hell of a deal. He's, he's originally, it's like, Hey, it's like $10 a month, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm not, not interested. He's like, how about seven? I'm like, no, definitely still not interested at seven dollars. He's like, how about five? It's like, no, I really don't think so. He's like, what about, what if I do it for a dollar? He's like, no, I was like, I, I really don't need like keep really good care of my car. Uh, he's like, what would you do it for? I was like, I do it for a penny. He's like, perfect. I just need to get it in before the end of the year. So, so shout out to Ryan. He's probably going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> he's an FSU fan. So hey, very good. Then. Yeah. So, well, let's, uh, what, what do you say? We get into the show, busy, busy week over the last couple of weeks, as we've just talked about, but as always, this show is sponsored by our friends over at the Thomas firm, uh, which is going to handle all of your insurance claims, your property damage or to your home or business. So give them a call 813-221-2525, uh, roof damage, leaks, water damage, hail damage, hurricanes, sinkholes, whatever, you know, the Thomas firm, big fans of the show, big supporters of the show. You want three, two, two, one, two, five, two, five. TNTattorneys.com. So you missed on the last episode, but we previewed the Florida-Oklahoma game. That game turned out very differently than we thought. 
Uh, Oklahoma goes out to a very quick 17 to nothing lead, uh, including um, a pick six by Kyle Trask. Uh, ends up winning 55 to 20. Gators didn't look uh, very interested in the game. The whole team uh, barely uh, had enough rostered players to uh, to even play in the game. Uh, but the Gators are taken down for the third straight loss on a 55 to 20 uh, game against Oklahoma. Yeah, I missed last week. Um, I spoke about the preview on Big Three Roll Up. Kind of said on there, I didn't know what to expect from this game. I didn't expect much. I mean, losing your, your top four or five pass catchers. Well, actually, yeah, like four or five yeah, pass catchers. Four. You're losing those guys. Um, just going into this type of game, the lingo that I was hearing from Dan Mullen pregame and the week and leading up to the game, the days leading up to the game, I didn't expect much. I didn't know what to expect from this game. Um, but nonetheless, I was disappointed in the, uh, the performance we put on the field. Um, I kind of wish Kyle wanted to play that game. Uh, I said that as well on Twitter. I, I, I prefer him once his top guy sat out. It was going to be real difficult for him to up his draft stock. I understand he wants to do, you know what I'm saying, in, in the type of – what he want to do in the, in the, in the type of uh, character he he has and how much he loves Gator Nation and football itself. He was going to go out there and give it his all. But I thought, like, the best business decision was for him to sit with those uh, other guys that are going to the league. But shout out to Kyle Trask nonetheless. What do you, what do you guys think about the game? I'm I'm with you. Um, you know, leading up to the game, I didn't know all the guys were going to set out. I knew we knew a few few guys were going to set out um, on the offense. Uh, the, the top uh, four pass catchers, as we, we spoke about, um, you know, we, I kind of figured we can we can get some guys to step up and maybe make some plays here and there and stop a few guys. I mean, no disrespect to, to to the guys that actually went out there and played. When I seen walk-ons guarding their receivers, man, <laughs> I knew. <laughs> And we had walk on walk ons at corner, like man coverage with their with their top receivers. I it, I knew that wasn't going to end well. So, um, you know, kudos uh, to, kudos to the guys who went out there and actually played. But um, you know, with all those guys sitting out, we didn't have a chance. Yeah, um, I there was a so lot. We, of- I, 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 well, one thing real quick for you, go yeah. Now I have a chance. I think we could have beat that team. Uh, to be real true, I think we just came out sloppy, flat, and a lot of things. Like, there's no way we'd be able to walk on cornerbacks. Yeah, I thought I, we could have. I, I thought I thought if Cal would have played this regular game, we was fine. There's no way, bro. We couldn't. It's no. We couldn't stop them. There's, there's literally no way we could stop them if they put the, the ball. First half, we was like we was getting stops. We had no depth for that, bro. I'm just telling you. <laughs> no, no, I feel you. Because one, one, one of the touchdowns they scored, they ran a mesh route, bro. You know what mesh is? They ran two drags across the field. The corner that we had in the game went underneath the. It don't underneath. matter. We had our starter in the game. He wasn't gonna do shit. Either. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> You're right about that. There you go. Well, right. you got me there. You got me there. Yeah. So I like. I think we got stops first half. We had chances to even go up in the first half. As bad as we played the pick six and all that stuff, it just was. It was a flat game. I don't think Dan mm-hmm. cared about it. It Felt like a spring game. He was just randomly doing stuff. I don't think he cared about the game. It's gonna be interesting right. to see how the rest of this this play out with all this NFL stuff going on, but let's just break down the game right now. But it didn't seem like he was invested in that game. I don't think he cared about it um, too much. Pre-game and post-game, it, it kind of showed that. And well, I'm, not, I'm not happy with it. Like, it's bullshit, in my opinion. Well, I agree. So you knew that Dan was setting this game up after the SEC championship for for a letdown. A couple things happened. Number one, he already said that he thought that this was the last time this version of the team would play. Then, you know, you give them four or five days off around Christmas, no practice, no real anything. 
And then you have the leaked reports of some COVID and some other players that are, that are missing. You know, there's apparently some discussion internally, whether Florida even wanted to play that game. Um, I'm hearing some rumors that there wasn't even an interest by uh, some of the folks within um, to, to even play the game, period. You go out there, you go down 17 to nothing very, very quickly. Uh, have a pick six in there. Kyle Trask just doesn't look, you know, doesn't look sharp. And, I mean, the team was demoralized from the beginning. Um, they did get some stops. They were able to move the ball a bit when they wanted. Uh, but, but this team just – I don't think that they wanted to be there. Um, and I just think that they wanted this season to be over as, as quickly as it could. Yeah, I agree. Ugly game, um, ugly coaching. Everything from top to bottom. I didn't like the pre- the, the post-game presser. I don't even want to get into the nuance and the X's and O's of this game. Um, we're wasting our time. I don't want to break down the X's and O's of a game that the coaches didn't care about the game plan for is, is, is my take on it. I want to get into everything else um, that we got going as far as getting news. But as far as the game, bro, like I'm not – I don't want to break that down. That wasn't it's, real it's, life. It, 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 it was a, I mean, it was a shit I, I show. Can't remember, I can't remember the last time I didn't watch a Gator game to the end. Like, I, right. I, I felt I felt perfectly okay with shutting that game off. And 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 you know, my wife was like, "You want to you know keep the TV in? You know, because we got like kind of like it was in like two rooms where you kind of look at the TV from another room." And I'm like, "Man, turn both them shits off. I don't want to watch that shit." Like, literally, literally bro. It was the last time shit. I. The last time I didn't finish a game was Georgia Southern. Yeah, so. yeah. I went I went to a bar called Hatricks to watch the game, um, and I, I I even put on Twitter and it got misconstrued that I, I I didn't think after. So when we recorded the show after that is when we were hearing some rumors that some players might not be there. There might be some more COVID. There might be some other things that we didn't want to talk about it, and, and it we're not in our right to talk about. Um, you know, particular players that had it. But when I heard about what defensive line depth might be, linebacker depth, obviously all of the opt-outs and everything else, I just knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, the same team. And even if those guys are able to play, I still don't know if if Florida wins. They just didn't seem motivated. Uh, they didn't seem like they were into the game. The coaching staff after the game didn't seem like they, they seem more relieved than anything. Uh, I don't know what the stress of this type of season puts on, uh, but you could tell after that game that they were at least relieved that, you know, this chapter was, was closed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Shout, shout, shout out to Kyle Trash. Uh, I want to give my flowers to Kyle Trash. Um, Beautiful career at University of Florida. Came in as a two-star. Uh, left with a lot of – well, he's going to leave with a lot of accolades. Um, should have an All-American break. We got to pass a petition or something to get that boy something, man. Uh, incredible season. One of my favorite seasons. The end of it was a, was a disaster. Uh, it could have been a better season, but it was one of my favorite seasons to watch for several reasons, man. There was a lot of things going on, but uh, offense, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, watch like our offense do some stuff we ain't seen in, in a long time. A lot of big playmakers and all that stuff. That made my season, man. I enjoy watching them guys play. Um, what are you guys' opinions on, on, on the season as a whole? Of course, I'm a little disappointed with the way things ended. Yeah. We, we never put it in there on a better note. We we never expected to, do, to lose four games by any means. Um, I think we were talking about um, – I and, and, again, I always say, hey, man, we, we, we may lose a game. And, you know, people will jump on me like, well, which game are we going to lose? And it's like, oh, I don't know, bro, because – same like, you know, in our, in our track record, we always have a lapse in one weekend, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
you know, but overall, uh, I was I was I was really impressed with some of the things that we were able to do this season. Mm-hmm. I remember getting off getting off a few takes on on, on KT Kadarius Tony before the season when he was you know possibly opting out or whatever. He really turned a, a, a lot of things around and turned into a, a real valuable player for our team, man. Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask and um, you know uh, Brown came on. Um, those guys played really, really well this year, and they were really, really enjoyed to just watch. I mean, because we haven't seen an offense that potent in a while, you know. So right. uh, being able to, to to turn on our TV and and and, and damn near get people at least 30, 35 points a game every single week, 40, 40 mm-hmm. points a game in a lot of games, and that was very fun to watch, man. We, I, I just wish we could have stopped, stopped the people a little bit more than, than what we did. So Yeah, defense was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, uh, on offense, I mean, you mentioned, shout out to Kyle Trask. He goes down as having the second best passing efficiency in of history um, in a year and a half. Um, I think he finished eighth most in yards. Yeah, eighth most in yards. Um, it just an incredible season. Uh, ends with 69 touchdowns, which is sixth overall, uh, only 15 interceptions. I mean, in a year and a half, two-star guy, waited his turn, came in, uh, shined a r- real good light on the program. Um He's going to get an NFL spot. He's going to earn. He's going to become a, an instant millionaire, and um, and there's nothing but the, the highest praise and, and respect for him. And I hope he's a guy that comes back to the university and is around the program because uh, I just think that he's a high character guy and a guy that you you know you need in, in Florida uh, needs just around. Um, Kadarius Tony, Trayvon Grimes, uh, Kyle Pitts, um, Kyrie Campbell. You know, a, a lot of these people that, that made impacts. Uh, Let's, do this. Know, yeah. Let's do this, Dan. Uh, give me your offense and defensive MVP because we got to give out awards. It's the war ceremony. It's for like the season? Movie. Yeah, for the season. Um, we're, we're done. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be Kyle Trask, right? I mean, one of the most electrifying seasons in college football history. Um, I think it's a damn shame that, you know, Alabama – you know, which is going to win the award for probably best running back, best wide receiver, and already won the best uh, offensive line is going to, um, you know, have a quarterback that reaps the benefit of that. Uh, but I think that Kyle Trask should have been your Heisman Trophy winner. I think that he should have been your Maxwell winner, your Johnny Unitas winner. Uh, I think that he should be an All-American. I think he should be first-team All-SEC. I think that all of these awards that were given to Mac Jones uh, should have been given to Kyle Trask. I think in any year, Kyle Trask uh, is widely considered one of the best quarterbacks uh, in college football history in terms of a single-season performance. Um, That's being overshadowed by an LSU game, uh, and then obviously the last couple of games and the fact that Alabama was just so dominant this year. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Kyle Trask as kind of my most obvious pick. But um, but if it's not him, then I'll go with uh, – if we can't pick him, then I'll go uh, with Kyle Pitts, who just did an unbelievable thing. Uh, at tight end that you you just don't see very often. But to have two generational players like that on one team, is it was truly a, a great sight to see. And that's without talking about Grimes and Tony and some of the other folks. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Trash too, just because of the numbers he put up and the way he spread the ball around and um, got us got us uh, up and down the field a lot of times and um, got it to our playmakers, the way he put touch on the passes. He didn't just zip them and, and, and have one type of pass. Um, he put touch on passes. He, he got it to where mm-hmm. – um, guys can can make plays on the ball. He put it to where you know that's one under underrated thing, man. He, you know, we we talk about how Pitts would jump up and catch balls, and Grimes would catch jump up and catch balls over, over defenders. Man, a quarterback had to put it in a place where only they can reach it. And uh, you know, Kyle Trask definitely did that. So um, I'm gonna go with Kyle Trask on my offense, and uh, 
Ventura Miller, man, made us made us kind of go this year. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. with, with with David Reese being out of the middle, um, you know, I I think we took David Reese a little bit for not for granted, but um, yeah, we, we did. We just no, it took yeah, him for granted. Okay. For sure. You know, um, who's calling him fat and slow and all type of stuff, man? Yeah, and he got us lined <laughs> up too. So we missed the we missed the we was begging for athleticism and all that line yeah. because of his deficiencies and, and, and like uh playing the pass, but my God. Yeah, if only we knew. All right. So right. um we missed we missed that guy in the middle. Um um, making plays and whatnot, but you know, Ventrell made a lot of plays for us, and, and you know, hopefully next year he can be the alpha dog um, that that we need him to be. Get guys lined up. Um, you know, obviously, I guess Grantham's going to be around for a little bit, so uh, <laughs> we should we should know what we're doing on defense, I guess, uh, by next year. So I'm gonna go Zach Carter on defense. I think everybody gonna go Cal on offense. It's so hard not to go Cal trash, but I'm gonna go um, Zach Carter on defense just because he was just like uh, a guy that that was flexible. Lost a lot of money. He's coming back. Shout out to him coming back. We'll talk about that later as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, a guy that played defensive tackle, strong side defensive end, but he filled a huge gap when Kyrie Campbell was gone uh, for a few games. Then he got back to his natural position. And he, he feels like one of the leaders on that side of the, uh, the ball. So I'm going to go to Zach Carter just to mix it up a little bit. But I like I like your venture up here. I didn't say – did you pick an offensive person? Who, me? Yeah. No, nah, I mean, I, I got Cal for MVP and I already gave him his flowers, so I don't want to regurgitate a lot of the, the same stuff we're, we're all saying. So um, we go surprise surprise player, I think. Yeah, um, I'm gonna, I'm just going to go on, on defense. Um, well, I'm you didn't going, go defense. Yeah, no, I just, I just did two on offense, which is, you know, a violation of the rules. I'm going to go, I think, <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go with Ventral Miller too. There just wasn't a lot of um, – a lot of good on the defense, but I, I thought just in terms of overall multiple uh, SEC defensive player of the week, um, linebacker of the week, I, I, I thought that he played just about as well as anybody. Uh, but I really do like your pick of Zach Carter too. Um, but then I also want to give a shout out to Brenton Cox. You know, he he brought some pressure. I think that he's a guy with a, with another year uh, could really hone in his ability um, as well. Something. We just got to keep. Look, wait, we just, we just got to keep uh, Brent Cox on sides. We will be sure. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. Watching the game, the bowl game, um, he's gonna have to show me something early. I think Bogle looked really good. I, yeah. I like Bogle. Yeah, so I was actually just gonna say that as my surprise <laughs> player, but I like I like Brent Cox. His his when he goes, he goes. But oh no, Bogle got a motor dog like that's what i'm saying you got you got to have a motor bro you got to be consistent with it you can't take two plays off and then go hard again and you know take a couple plays off you know we get the consistency out of out of, out of eight next year and one shit going to be scary and 17 is scary with, with right. along with the, with, with the guys coming in i think our interior our interior defensive line is going to be what like gets us to that next so we got to figure out that but we'll talk about that later <laughs> in the show <laughs> Um, what interior defensive line? Right. I, um, yeah, you know, I, I well, let's talk about surprise pick. Um, I, I was gonna say Chris Bogle, I thought that he's a kid that showed us, um, a ton in terms of what he can do. Uh, he was all over the field, he made the most of his opportunity, uh, this season when he did play. Uh, strange, uh, that he didn't play more, understood why he didn't because he's not a senior or a redshirt junior or anything else. Well, he, he missed uh, some time for injury as well, though. I think he, he fell off a scooter or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did. He was injured for a little bit. Um, but he played in 11 games. Well, at least he registered 11 games this year. So, um, 
ends up with 27 tackles, but um, I think that that kid's going to be a beast. I'm looking forward to seeing more uh, of him. I thought that he made a big impact on uh, in that game on, on defense where they, where they needed somebody to do something. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I will go the, I guess my surprise player is not really fair, but I'll go with Kadarius Tony. I mean, I don't think anybody thought he would be as good as he was this year, just in terms of overall just ability um, or as a receiver ability, right? I mean, everybody knew he had ability to be shifty and break tackles and miss tackles and everything else. Uh, but his ability to, to be a, a true wide receiver this year uh, was one of the most astonishing things that I've seen watching the Florida Gators for the last 25, 30 years. Yeah, what an incredible season by Kadarius Tony. Um, that's my obvious one as well. Um, but I'm gonna go Whitmore. I think, uh, even regardless of injury, we gotta see some flashes of him in the bowl game as well. I think he's gonna be a really good one. But I didn't expect him to early in the season to be jumping in that wide receiver rotation like that. So I'm gonna go Whitmore. That was a, a surprise. Um, I had no idea that um, he jumped in that rotation. I think our wide receiver rotation is one of the best in the country. So that's my surprise. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna go with uh go with Whitmore as well. I seen him catch, make make some plays on balls that you know crazy. Um, yeah, he 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 actually goes and in, in, in high points the ball and and and, mm -hmm. and makes some great catches. So I'm excited to see him uh, you know progress and um, actually stay healthy this the, the next year coming up and and uh, you know help out our wide receiver room a lot. My one B, Naquan. Um, I did not see Naquan Wright having the season yet. But I thought he surprised me. Uh, I think he's as far as like potential, I mean, if he works on his speed and some other stuff, man, his vision, balance, um, patience, he got what you want in an NFL running back, man. I think he's going to play on Sunday. So I'm going to say Nick Warren Wright as well as my 1B. That's interesting. I'm going to bring up a quick discussion point here. I know we're going off off topic here a bit. Um, but so Naquan Wright's your guy. I think that Naquan Wright was probably Florida's best running back this year. Uh, Florida has Damian Pierce who can come back. They have Malik Davis who can come back. You have Lorenzo Lingard that's still there. And then you have Demarcus Bowman, five-star transfer uh, enrolling here any day now. Mary, what, what do you think Florida does at the running back position next year? Lorenzo Lingard just said something about, you know, practicing to play some defense next year. I don't know what position that would be, you know, safety, I guess, of, of anything. Uh, but what do you see Florida doing at running back next year? Because I think that Naquan Wright's earned the opportunity to definitely get some 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 heavy snap carries next year. Hey, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned defense and Lingard because dude showed me something on kickoff. I, I be I watch kickoff sometimes. So he'd be the first one down there every time. And, yeah. And, and once fast fast every time. He fast as yeah. shit, bro. And yeah. he violent yeah. too a little bit. So he go down there and it's physical. I wouldn't mind seeing him on defense. Not trying to say he's not a, he's not a running back, but I wouldn't mind seeing him on right. defense. You know, if, no, if I wouldn't mind seeing him at safety. Up. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him anywhere. But I like his his ceiling is crazy at running back. I think somebody exits that room before fall. I think uh, we'll, we'll get into some some camp battles in spring in spring football. But it's just not gonna be enough carries. I think when Bowman puts on that helmet and pass and start dancing a little bit this spring, um, I think some some people are gonna realize that. Um, they might have to go find somewhere else to play football and if they want a chance at the NFL. So I think we get a one at one more exit. I would like to have four to five backs. That, that's very normal in a place like Alabama. So mm -hmm. I would like to keep my whole running back room intact. But 
I think one of those older guys, Malik Davis or or, or Damian Pierce, may bounce for someone that somewhere they can play right away and get more carries. This is I'm just throwing it out there. I haven't heard anything whatsoever. So I was impressed with Malik Davis catching the ball out of the backfield this year. Do you think potentially a move to like a, a slot might work for him? I'm sure, he playing it anyway. You call him a running back. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely some question marks on what, what Florida does. I mean, it's not bad to have options, right? I mean, Damian Pierce, you know, obviously has a lot of experience. He had the most yards this season, had the most carries this season, had the most touchdowns this season. Um, the question is, if you ask if you ask Malik to play slot, do he stay? If I'm a running back, you ask me to go play slot, and I want to go to the NFL so, so, running back so, next year, I'm probably gone. But, I mean, does Malik Davis have but, the but, ability to go to the NFL playing running back? My, my question is where you go. Yeah. Anywhere. D one double A, he go fucking HBCU. It don't matter. You need film. You need carries. Well, like, you, go, you go to NFL from anywhere nowadays. I don't think like it's, I, at this point, he's Malik. He got some UF films. They already played in the SEC. He just need more carries, though. I, I don't. I don't think where matters. So this is this is an interesting topic. We talked about this on the last show. So the, right now, the transfer portal has over eight hundred names in it. They're expecting that to go over a thousand names, right? So Malik Davis can say he wants to go somewhere else, and there but may be an opportunity. I, yeah. But is is it, especially with this season not counting, is this the best year to potentially transfer? If Malik hit up USF right now, he got a place to go. He's from there. They'll take him in a heartbeat. Yeah. But how much? How, any film is not. You put bad film out there, then what? Any film ain't good film. No film ain't good film. You gonna go to USF? <laughs> and get and get actual carries. I, I'm just I'm being. I'm I don't want no playing. carries when I get it. I can get hit in the backfield. Well, shit, I do. I'm playing. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing <laughs> doubles advocate. Oh, you playing in an offense that, that that's been pass happy, and and he ain't like the running backs not feeling what's what's been going on. So if I'm in a pass happy offense and I'm getting ready to go to the NFL, this is my last go at it. I want actual carries, not to share the ball with five six other guys, and you ask me to go to the slot. So if I go to USF. And just get more carries a game. I'm gonna go do that. That's just me personally. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will bounce for, for actual more carries so, and a chance to, to be on the field and play. Question is, do will his ego let him go to USF? I mean, I don't think. I think he was had that before he came to UF anyway. I don't think Malik's an ego guy. I don't. I don't know if he's leaving. I'm just throwing that out. The yeah. program. No, right, right, right. Correct, you're, correct, just, correct, you're just correct, picking correct. a name yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, a, yeah, a potential place. Yeah, that's just an uh, example. So yeah. So this, I guess, this is my question, right? We talked a little bit about this on the last show. Like, too, even FAU, like FAU, would take him in and drop him in, in, in a heartbeat. So this is where I think you get into that discussion of does me playing. I think this is where you start to have an NFL or not mentality is do I go and try to earn a few more carries to try to earn a, a shot to potentially get drafted, but probably not for start to think, Hey, is it worth leaving? Sorry, Did he graduate already? I'm pretty he's been in like five years. I'm pretty sure Malik's if he hasn't oh, graduated, he hasn't graduated. Yeah. Dan, this is yeah, like dude, not. fifth, sixth year, bro. I'm, I'm odd. He's I'm well, he's a, he's a junior, so I think this is his fourth year. But there's been people that were at UF enrolled for four years that never graduated. I'm not saying that he didn't. So I'm okay. one of them, Dan. I understand. All right. If if he did, if he did, if he did, it changes it a little bit. But but we start to have this discussion just like not choosing Malik Davis, but choosing somebody else's, do you then stay somewhere and try to graduate because you think that that degree is more valuable 
you know, if you graduate from UF, that degree holds a little bit more weight than graduating from that matters. But listen, like just from I know like a guy like Malik Davis, any guy that's in in just playing football now, like so so when my plan was a different world, like graduating early and being able to grad assistant is like and grad transfer is the thing, especially if you he had an injury year. He was down like two years. If he went in the books, I can almost bet that Malik is about to graduate. I would put my bottom dollar that he's graduating this year. And that, that, Florida, that Florida degree of being in his pocket. And I don't even know anything about his academics. Just from a guy, he was already smart, had good grades, and had good academics coming in. He sat two years. The running yeah, back room filled up. Yeah. No, he sat – I mean, the first year he got injured early, right? He sat out that whole season. It's pretty much two years. That following year, last year, he, he pretty much sat out. He didn't do shit. He had two years to kind of see, like, yo, I may need a fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. So guys get in that situation, bro. They put themselves in a position to transfer. I'm pretty sure he he's gonna graduate this year. We'll find out. But I'm pretty sure he's in that position. If not, he dropped the ball himself. But that'd be the way. If if that's just me and Roman in the position, I'm not asking for anybody to transfer, but no, no, I get it. I'm pretty sure somebody in his corner or 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 his 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 family, somebody's telling him, like, yo, you need and Naquan too. You see, like Naquan complains and bickers a little bit. Fans get tired of it, but these boys need actual carries. Like that that passing stuff is cool, but they watching these Bama running backs. They watching these Clemson running backs. They watching these Georgia running backs. Neat. You need actual carries, bro. No, absolutely. And I'm not. And I'm not saying that at all. I'm just wondering if this is even the right year to transfer. With the number of kids that are going to be transferring, yeah. how many spots there are open is not a unlimited. But number. they won't. Well, a guy like Malik won't jump into the portal. I think some of these guys jump into the portal without no interest. So you you can work the portal. You can hit a coach up. Like there's no rules. Like really, I can hit a coach up and be like, "Yo, I'm really interested in transferring. You guys interested in taking me?" And then nobody hit him back. Shit, you chill. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, like I hit a few coaches up that places I'm interested in. If they hit me back and say they're interested and I can transfer, I bounce. If not, I just stay involved. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Florida does have a, some question marks, you know. Obviously, at that position, and obviously, this entire conversation was hypothetical uh, right. about about Malik Davis. But you know, at some point, you know, there is going to be a need for for some change, uh, just because you, you're not going to be able to, to keep five running backs happy, no matter how run happy or you know whatever your offense might be. Now you got three upperclassmen running backs, right? Well, phen- and, and two phenoms, right? Two, yeah. And then, but then that leads to to a question, right? Is you know next year on offense, Florida's going to go with either Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson, right? Both right. run first or not run first, but both dual threat uh, quarterbacks. Right. What did you think of their performance against Oklahoma? Uh, and then what do you envision? And we, just from very high, you know, high level, what do you envision the offense looking like? Uh, next year uh, with the two of them involved? Do you think that's going to be more carries? Yeah, I think both guys are going to play next year. Um, it's just hard to keep them a two on the sideline for a long time. So I think we see a dual quarterback system. I don't know what the – well, I said that this year, and then we didn't. So Yeah, I think this year made, <laughs> made a little bit more sense once you started – looking at the numbers that Kyle Trask and it was putting up and everything else, right? I mean, I still, it didn't make sense to me still because I thought we needed a run game. And I said that entire season while people were, like, laughing at it. Regardless of his numbers, I knew, like, eventually we will need a run game to protect that defense, and we didn't do it. So it never it never did make sense, and we still didn't. I thought – that's why I thought. I thought we saw a burst of offense in the run game 
He was averaging like six six point five or seven seven point five a carry against Oklahoma the other night. Yeah, run game just looked completely different when five came in the game was doing his read option shit. Same thing with two. Uh, so I think we're gonna see a run hawk. Um, all the all the arguing and, and bickering and complaining we did about passing too much. Um, that's gonna be flipped to running the ball next year, in my opinion. So I expect to see a run heavy offense of with five starting two to spell him from time to time just to mix it up with the different type of runners and different type of quarterbacks, even though they're both dual threats, they're not the same type of guy. But I thought two looked real good. I thought Emory made some crazy throws. Our receivers was dropping balls left and right, dog. But I think uh Emory made some error error some error throws as well. But I'll take it the way he looks uh again in the bowl game. I thought he looked great. Not great, but he looked good. He's a developmental guy. He gotta work on his accuracy in the offseason. But I expect Dan Mullen, if he's still here, <laughs> to put a comp <laughs> to put a competent, good quarterback on the football field in the offense that's gonna move the ball. So I'm excited about the caravan at five. Uh, Amon, what you think it's gonna look like? Uh, about like that. Uh, we still gonna put the ball in the air, but I think we we can we can open up our run game a little bit more with those quarterbacks being more dual threat. Um, we're gonna have to work on our offensive line a little bit. Uh, you know, with, with us running the ball a little bit more, we got to run block, um, get more physical at the line of attack, uh, at the point of attack. But you know, with these dual threat quarterbacks, I mean, <clears throat> again, we it's, it's hard to keep two off the field. I mean, as much as we want to see Emory. Um, I, I think Emory's going to do some great things for us, and I'm excited to see um, what he can do for us as well as number two. Um, but, you know, we, we, we got we got to go get it. Regardless of, uh, of who we got on, on the field, um, I think Mullen kind of changes our offensive style a little bit like we've just been talking about um, and, and running a little bit more. But um, ultimately, man, whoever's in the game, man, got to make this thing work. I am going to put out a take here that I think that Anthony Richardson wins the job next season. Yeah, you're wasting that take. I don't – that yeah. is that is a take. I, well, yeah. That's a, that's I don't a, think a, it's going to happen, but I think – well, I, I'm going to stick with that. I think that he just, wins. Just from going by what I've seen Dan Mullen do this year and playing, like, seniority. And right. The guy that's been in the system doing the right thing and caring about guys getting drafted and – Feelings yeah. and all that shit. Nah. Yeah, it's a big, he's a big feeling and um, seniority guy. And I'm not saying that Emory Jones is good. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I, I there's just something about the way that Anthony Richardson runs with the ball. Um, I think he puts some great touch on. I mean, now obviously we've not seen you know enough of him, and I still think Emory Jones, you know, is going to be your starter. Um, just by what you said, we've heard, uh, but I would not be surprised either if if Anthony Richardson isn't really pushing him, you know, for some significant playing time next year. Here's what I could see possibly see happening. Then um, we see Emory when like when I don't think it's gonna be open competition to say win the job unless really, really yeah no I think yeah. you're right yeah so I think Emory has got to be like yeah it got to be like blatantly he's like blatantly better than this dude like right. I don't think. AR is gonna come in there and be blatantly better than Emory. So I see, I see Emory winning the job, but then mm -hmm. I, he, if he's struggling in one of these games, and, and maybe they saw it like the, the dual quarterback, and when every time they spell him, Richardson just goes off, then it becomes a little bit obvious, and then he gets benched. But I, I don't foresee them just saying, "Yeah, he wins the job," and here you yeah, go. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, I think that he has the talent potentially to, to yeah. come out, but, um, but yeah, I think you're right. I'll, I'll, I'll take that take back and say, I think talent-wise, that I think 
Anthony Richardson will be ahead of Emory Jones, but I think that Emory Jones will probably play. That's not saying that I don't think that Emory Jones is, is a good player. Um, Anthony Richardson be, is very special. There, there's just something about Anthony right. Richardson and the way that, that he that he plays, and I think the way that he's going to be developed, um, I think that he's going to be a – I'm just going to use him as an example because he was in a system, but a, but a, a Cam Newton type of, of quarterback. I think I think they're similar athletes. Um, I think Cam's is 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 on another level, but Anthony Richardson is up there, bro. He's he's a special yeah. type of talent, and I think he's more durable. He's a bigger guy. I think Emory's right. put on some weight this offseason as well. Every time he run the ball, do you see him throw up after that one run? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I saw I saw a picture of that, bro. Like, what what you think he was? Just, I mean, he was getting a lot of reps. Yeah, maybe just me. Yeah. I I don't know. Um, I, I think that Anthony Richardson just – he feels like – he looks like when he runs that it looks a little bit more natural than, than Emery as well. But, again, I'm not putting down Emery or anything else, but I, I just saw what I think could be a great future, uh, you know, under Dan Mullen with Anthony Richardson, assuming that Dan Mullen stays in Florida. Yeah, Emory, I mean, Richardson made some some, some iffy throws too that bowl game. We don't want to paint it off. Yeah, prob- yeah probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, couple of, a couple of those things were spooky. Um, but the, the future is bright for that kid. How do we get there? Uh, we were talking about the running back room, and we're talking about what the offense might look like. So, anyway, well, let, let's close the season. Uh, so, could you give your surprise defensive player? You you said Bogle, right? Can we do how surprised how terrible they was? I meant uh, up, yeah, like guy you weren't, to, you know, you, that you um, didn't think would have a good year that that did. I mean, sure. Then we can we can talk out of that. Uh, we right to our next conversation anyway. A guy I thought had a good year that wouldn't on defense. Hmm. <laughs> I really don't have one. I'm gonna go trade Dean. Man, I thought trade Dean played better than I would like. You know what I'm saying? I expected. Okay. Uh, he had a chance to really make a, a crazy play in the Bama SEC championship game. Um, he got it didn't end up how we wanted to, but I thought Trey Dean played better as the season went on. They ain't, they ain't saying a whole lot, man. I have to say the name, so I'll say I go with Trey Dean. Um, one that surprised me, I thought would play better than they actually did. I'm gonna go with Amari Bernie. Big letdown in my opinion. Uh, boy, uh, Ahmad, who is somebody that you thought would step up this year or, or you know be a, a torchbearer that wasn't? You actually oh, repeat the question now. Yeah, who's somebody that you thought might do better this year than they actually did? All of them. <laughs> Very I good. Said, I almost said the whole the whole defense. Then I almost say all yeah. them MF, you MFers. Say, you but, can say the whole. No, nah, I can't. I can't. But I almost say all them MFers because I oh, man, yeah. man, listen, hey, um, you know, Pretty we show, cool. we, we yeah, we 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 made some big plays, you know, here and there, but. I mean, as a whole, man, I, I'm 32. I don't remember ever seeing a Gator defense look like that. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I I, I think all of it was um, good and bad in some unique and different ways. I think at safety, you know, you saw um, Trey Dean step up. I know he played more star uh, than anything, but, you know, definitely played um, – played well at safety when when he got got in I think you saw that you know Trevez Johnson and, and Rashard Torrance and some of these newer faces you know a cornerback Kyrie Elam was a second team all SEC guy uh, I thought that he played well at times uh, a linebacker Ventrell Miller had some highlights Mahmoud Diabate mm-hmm. had some highlights there's a couple guys um, you know 
Derek Wingo played a bit towards the end. Tyron Hopper showed some athleticism on the defensive line. You know, there were some sparks, Zach Carter, Kyrie Campbell, Brenton Cox, uh, Slayton. Uh, there were some sparks in, in different areas. They were, mm-hmm. they were small little flames, but they were there. Uh, but the whole of the defense was just atrocious. Um, out of position, outmanned, outmatched, weird schematically, weird physically, uh, just not a not a, a Gator standard defense. Um, and it showed. You know, I think that that defense, there should be no reason that Florida scored the amount that they did. You know, they scored 478 points in the season and averaged more than 40 points a game or just under 40 points a game, 39.8, uh, and ended up with four losses. And any other season, you average those kind of points, you're you're undefeated. You maybe have one loss, you know. But Florida lost uh, some really tough games. Um, in games that they scored a bunch, they also allowed a bunch, right? South Carolina or Texas A&M, they gave up 41 points. LSU 37, Alabama 52, Oklahoma 55. And when have you ever seen a Florida defense give up points like that, right? So. Um, I guess with that being said, any other conversations on the Florida yeah. season before we move on to, you know, the yeah, big my, my final outtake on the season is pretty much a uh, season of uh, blown opportunities. I had fun covering this season, watching this season, the explosive office and all that, but uh, just blown opportunities. And we should have went into Atlanta undefeated. We should have beat Texas and then we should have been at BLSU. We should have went into Atlanta undefeated with a loss of Georgia win in the playoffs. That's what it should have been. Um, yep. Dan Mullen and the crew, they dropped the ball big time. Uh, they should have adjusted. They should have been more prepared on defense. They should have been ready to adjust to the personnel they had, the deficiencies they was making on defense, be able to add a run game to maybe hide your defense sometimes. They should have been able to adjust to make some changes to get us to Atlanta undefeated because A&M was an, a more talented, talented team than us. Um, we had the better quarterback. Uh, regardless of how terrible our defense is played, they should have been smart enough to figure that out, and we should have went to Atlanta undefeated. So that's just my final outtake on the season. And one time for Killer Kyle. That's good, Ahmad. What's your outtake, and then I'll give my final one. Um, you know, we could have done a lot of things better. Um, we did a lot of great things this year um, that we can piggyback on um, uh, for next year. Um, we saw glimpses of a. A few guys that we, we, we're going to see a lot of next year. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, excited about some of the guys that signed. Um, you know, hopefully they can come in and continue continue the, the the dominance that we had, you know, prior to this past year on defense um, and on offense as well. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see the, the, the quarterbacks next year. I'm excited to see the new guys that, that we got in, um, in, in the wide receiver room and whatnot and, and uh, the running back uh, battle that we're going to have also, man, to see how these guys respond on defense. You know, they, you know, it, I mean, this was abysmal year. I mean, let's, let's be quite frank. I mean, I don't know the last time we gave up 55 points on defense. All right. So, uh, you know, just, just come back, come back next year and, and you know, and, and have a better season. And uh, uh, I'm pretty confident in the team that we got. Yeah. Uh, I think Corey, you, you said a lot of it. Uh, I think that you did a, a really eloquent job. That's, uh, one of your most uh, prolific statements, I think, that you've made on this show is that it was a you know a lot of missed opportunity. I think that this season, in my mind, uh, had some successes and had some failures. It had some disappointing things, and to to look back on it, I don't want to say that it was all disappointing. Uh, you know, Florida was able to 
watch one of its best offenses that it's ever had. Uh, it was fun. Every game except for the final one was tight. Uh, we had some some really great uh, showings and watchings um, this season of, of being together. And I really enjoyed covering this season with you guys, spending time in Atlanta, going to the Cush House and everything else. I'm going to look back on this season uh, as a net positive for me personally. But I think for me, the biggest thing that I struggled with this season was that all of the things that we noticed in game one that were issues still existed in game 12. Um, right. And I think that that got frustrating um, to know that your deficiencies hampered you so much that when Florida turned the ball over to Alabama at the SEC championship with a minute and 20 seconds left or whatever it was in the second quarter, that we knew that Alabama was just going to be able to march down the field and score again, um, or that we weren't disciplined and we played selfish football at times, that we were making silly mistakes kind of over and over and over again, and it didn't seem like any of those things were 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 changed or improved or coached out or, or anything else and so um, also, i need to cut you out but the most yeah. important part of it is just seemed like it was all, it was all stubbornness it didn't seem yeah. like they were trying to just, it just seemed like yo like everything is okay we're gonna do it our way type vibes and that was the most disappointing thing in this season in my from my perspective right but this season earned a lot of players a lot of money so shout out to kyle trask Kadarius yep. tony kyle pitts trayvon grimes Kyrie Campbell, the seniors that are graduating, those that are moving on. Big Slayton. Um, yep, Big Slayton. Uh, there's going to be a lot of players uh, th that are going to be drafted uh, this season. The Gators are going to probably, again, get another top 10 draft pick uh, with Kyle Pitts, uh, maybe multiple first-rounders with him and Kyle Trask. Um, so congratulations to those guys. Congratulations to all of the players that are graduating, that are moving on, that – you know, maybe they don't have an NFL future or professional football career period ahead of them, but were, you know, went through that a hell of a season. I can't even begin to imagine how tough this season was, how hard this season was, uh, dealing with um, quarantines and lockdowns and moving games and canceling games and the number of tests and just a very, very challenging season uh, for these guys to go out on. But, um, you know, Gators get, you know, eight wins. They move on to next season and, you know, we'll pray for a better season next year, better end of the season next year. Yeah, I don't think we have a better season next year, but uh, I'm excited. I don't either, but yeah. <laughs> but I'm fine with that. You know, like my, I think my expectations as a Gator fan are realistic, man. We talk a lot of craziness, but um, I think my expectations are realistic. I think we should have went undefeated in the regular season and been in Atlanta. I think that's crazy. That's regular expectations. Uh, but nothing goes perfect. It's year three. We beat Georgia. We got to Atlanta. Man, that's all cool. Ain't nobody extra happy. Um, but the direction of what the program is going, hey, we're in the right. We're going the right direction. He's just got some changes that need to be made, and we can get into those changes. Uh, a lot of smoke. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. As always, big shout out to our friends over at Roof Soldier. Give them a call. one eight seven seven roofs F l or visit them at roofsoldier.com if you are experiencing any leaks or damage or want to take advantage of having a free roof inspection give them a call 
we're out of hurricane season. Great time to uh, to get it all situated for a hurricane season that will be fastly approaching here in the not too distant future. Again, Roof Soldier, a veteran-owned company, one eight seven seven Roofs FL or RoofSoldier.com. Tell them that Steve Miguel sent you get at least a couple hundred dollars off your roof replacement. Um, but I think it's a, it's even more than the two hundred dollars that they were offering before. So give them a call one eight seven seven Roofs F. All right, before we get into the Dan Mullen things, Florida did um, not officially announce, but it doesn't appear to be on the staff directory anymore, uh, and conversation has come out that Torian Gray, defensive backs coach, and Ron English were both relieved of their duties uh, in their roles. There are some rumors. Well, actually, before we get into the rumors of replacement, uh, what are your all's thoughts? It seems like Todd Grantham will be retained. Uh, it seems to to me, from what I've heard, that he used that he didn't have an off season and, and with COVID and everything else that he wasn't able to completely install his defense, which to me is an interesting argument, knowing that most of the guys that played this year have been with the team for three, four, five years. But regardless, what are, are you guys surprised that T. Rob, our part? me that um that Torian Gray and Ron English were were let go. I for one I'm not surprised anybody on the defense side that may be fired. Um just because that, that unit was so bad, you know what I'm saying? That side of the ball was just so bad all year. And secondary was was just abysmal. So uh, either one of those guys getting let go wasn't a shock, but I don't know why any anybody else wasn't let go. Um and in my opinion, I don't think anybody was let go. I think uh, not by Dan Mullen, at least. I think uh, English, we got some recruiting violations that's on paper. I think some yep. guys let go for that, but I don't think anybody was let go for for poor performance. Interesting. Okay. Black, any thoughts? Um, I, I know somebody had to go. I mean, again, we talked about that was one of the worst uh, defensive performances the Gators had no, ever put out. That's um, not even fired, though, Black. You sure? Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you may know better than me, but, you know, from, from, from the outside looking in, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, kind of what I'm getting from it. So, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't know that. From the word of it, uh, shout out to Thomas Goldcamp over at 247. Um, TG is solid dude. But, um, yeah, if, according to Thomas from recruitment violations, English was let go really back in October. Um, that's from the, some of the recruiting violations and things that we had that, that his contract or something wasn't going to be renewed. And that was decided back in October and it wasn't by Mullen. There, there was some language in his contract that was revised that talked about recruiting violations. Um, I'm not surprised to see Ron English go regardless of recruiting violations or not. Um, safeties have been a struggle in recruiting and on the field in all so three years. Offensive line. So has offensive line. Well, no t- but you know the difference, right? No, I don't. Is Dan, Dan Mullen has worked with John Hevesy at every job since Utah. But right? Dan, that was the I don't first think, person that Dan Mullen got that. over to Mississippi State when Hevesy was the tight end coach at Florida and made him the offensive line coach. That's beautiful. I understand. But, I'm not saying that that's think, right or wrong, but they've no, been I'm not, together I'm not talking about right or wrong. Years. I just don't think I don't think that matters. I don't think Dan Mullen's gonna fire anybody. I don't think he has nuts to. I don't think because oh, Hevesy was here longer. Every, everybody that's poor performing is safe. Everybody, Hevesy English was safe. English was out of here because the admin say he got to go because he made some violations. The linebacker coaches is, is underperforming. Um, mm-hmm. What unit isn't like on the defensive side of the ball? All those guys should be left go, let go. Like we've been talking about getting a raise for Christian Robinson, but 
that unit is worse than a DB unit. Yeah. I was surprised that Torian Gray was let go. I'm not – well, I'm sorry. I'm not surprised. I am – that that was probably not the move that I would make because I don't know if Torian Gray's defensive backs, like if that falls on him for the issues that they were having because to me it looked more schematic than anything. It's a scheme thing, man. Yeah. Uh, they were lining up off the ball. That's a play call. That's not a coaching call. Um I'm not surprised about Ron English, whether it was for performance or whether it was for recruiting violations, whether it was w- whatever. Um, I am very, very surprised that Florida has as much experience as they do in the coaching staff outside of linebackers, how much coaching experience they have on the defensive side of the ball. They've had three defensive coordinators back there and how lost they were all season. Let's take That's a look at Torrey. Yeah, let's take a look at Torian Gray. He's a guy that at least recruits well, right? He's recruited right. very well. Um, he was requested back from Kyrie Elam and Marco Wilson and and the rest of them to bring him back. When he got fired from the Redskins, they said, hey, bring him back. Yeah, and I, and I think his biggest problem at corner wasn't – it was more of a seniority thing. And I, that's, a, that's a whole program problem. That wasn't just a Tory and Gray problem. Right. Uh, a lot of seniors got to play over guys, and I don't think that's just his call either. I think those guys are scapegoats, and I don't even really think they real scapegoats because I don't think he really fired anybody. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting take. I, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm disappointed, right? If that's the that's the move. Um, again, if you look at the Gators' defense, that the two biggest areas that they seemingly struggled with, or the biggest area, was secondary, right? So I'm not surprised. And you made right. a move. Oh, I ain't saying none um, of them need, they, need should have had a job. Oh, no. I know you're not saying that, <laughs> like, saying that but right. but to me, the way that I look at it is you didn't solve anything, right? Uh-huh. If you're if, if Florida had a schematic issue on defense, getting rid of those two guys doesn't solve anything. You didn't make anything better. Neither one of those guys were calling any plays. You're, you didn't change anything other than the face that's there and potentially bringing in a, a worse recruiter and a defensive back. Um or at least an unknown, and then you know whatever you're going to do at the safety position. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but I don't think you solved anything by re- relieving any uh, either one of them. I think no. you stopped some of the goofy Twitter stuff that Ron English was doing. But outside of that, the only thing that uh, if Torian Gray was in charge of sending the defenses back to blitz from the corner spot, his ass should have been fired. Other than that, like I'm a little confused why anybody on that side of the ball is safe. But um, who knows? But that's just my take on, on, on those two firings, if, that, if that's what they want to call them. Yeah. Because now, right. like, I got I got another take, too. But we'll get to that. I get to that take when we get over to uh, the Dan Mullen possibly looking for a job. Because All right. cool. like, who's so, firing somebody looking for a job? Like, you yeah. looking, if you're supposed to looking for a job, you fire two guys real quick before you head now. Mm-hmm. And while you're searching, he ain't firing nobody. But go ahead. Yeah, so let's let's talk about some of the rumors right now. There's uh, rumors that Traveris Robinson, uh, who was the former uh, Florida defensive backs coach uh, with Will Muschamp, who then went to South Carolina and was their defensive coordinator, at least on paper, uh, this past season, has been talking uh, to Florida uh, right now. He's apparently talking to a few other programs uh, as well. Uh, but there are some rumors that Traveris Robinson might come back in either a defensive backs capacity a whole defensive sorry defensive backs both cornerbacks and safeties 
just cornerbacks or potentially in some sort of co-defensive coordinator role, which is what I imagine he is going to be seeking out and asking for. Um, and with that, you know, being a defense coordinator for the last four years and, you know, he had some some capacity under uh, Dan or, uh, Will Muschamp when he was at Florida, it will be interesting to see if that is a name that, that comes, right? What do you get with T-Rob, Corey? You get a pretty good recruiter. Um, you get you know, you're one of the best recruiters in the business. Um, T. Rob's a dog. I think like recruiting that that size one of your recruiting problems, but he takes you a notch, a good. I ain't gonna say a notch, several notches above Torian. Torian Gray was a good recruiter. He's a he's a one of the elite recruiters. Um, what about what about coaching wise? You where, where do you have, who would you prefer, Torian Gray or, or T. Rob as still, defensive back coach? I'll take T. Rob for both. Um, okay. I just like the toolage of, of, of Munchamp and that whole coaching tree as far as DBs and and, and coaching defense. And I wouldn't mind, I want him to coach the, D, the, the, the corners in, in the state. Just nip that in the bud. He don't need no help in the secondary. He, I think he, he's a guy that can handle that. And I would like to get some another recruiter to help Hevesy. Nobody else. Tell you, they, you just follow Hevesy around and help him. I don't even care if he needs guard coaches, offensive tackle coach, whatever you want to call him. We just can't be missing on Tristan Lee's and getting these projects. Now, offensive line can't run block and, and just looking like a patchwork every year, bro. Like, something's got to change, man. Like, they got to make some, that, some, some changes. That, bro. That's, that, that's what I was thinking about earlier. When, you know, I know we was mentioning talking about running the ball. And I'm I'm thinking about what, what offensive line we're going to run behind. I mean, I mean, we said we got guys. He's on the team. He ain't got no choice. You can't drop Emory back to throw that ball 60 times a game. Yeah, in a way. He's going to run the ball. He, he's going to – like, the one thing about Dan Moore, we, we can say we want to say, he's going to cater the offense towards everybody's skill set. You know what I'm saying? If Emory's good at running the ball and, and being run heavy, play action, and doing deep passes and explosive stuff off of the play action, like he catered it around Tebow. wasn't no no passer like that. He catered the offense around him that made the passing game explosive. But I don't think he was a, a, a proficient passer or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what Florida does. So if you go back to to defense and you bring on a guy like T. Rob and a co-defensive coordinator type of capacity, I, I don't know what that room looks like with him and Todd Grantham. I don't believe they've ever worked together. Um, it's a weird room. Kind of, yeah, they schematically are different. Uh, Will Muschamp, who is you know T. Rob's teacher and and really let you senators tutelage for a long time uh they run different styles of defense too um i see a lot of clashing i don't see that that i don't see that working out uh i think it depends on what like like coverage is coverage in my opinion so who's calling the calls you know something that, that that like the scheme don't like you three four four three what the secondary is doing is what the secondary is doing am i right am i right right you know, so sometimes I mean, I, it could be different. It could be, be different if they're doing like a trail technique and like the different like scheme wise that. But I think you kind of just give that to T. Rob to kind of like yo, no, yeah, like usually, usually sometimes nine times out of ten, unless somebody's blitzing in the back end, you don't, you don't even, you don't even get the front end part. Right, you you right. just get what the coverage is on the back end. So right, yeah, that's 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 my understanding of. It. I think like long as. But they, there are differences differences in techniques and how you should shade and, and, and maybe uh, cover guys and stuff like that. But overall, I don't see that being a problem. Um, it's just not guys from the same coaching tree. So you right. have personalities that, that may not uh, mesh. Right. But that's about it. I think I don't think that just throws a wrench. And I also don't think it fixes your, your defense. So 
No, I don't. I don't think bringing T. Rob really does anything. I don't think bringing in a new defensive backs coach and whatever the second coach they're going to hire, right? Whether it's a safety coach or whether it's an interior defensive line, whatever it is, I don't think that you fixed anything. I don't think that Ron English's coaching was necessarily a huge issue. I don't know. I think that we had scheme issues. Um, and I don't think that necessarily bringing in a guy that knows nothing about your scheme solves that, right? Sure. Or run, run different schemes. But, you know, you have, you have some egos in the room. You have some uh, seniority issues that are in the room. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think that that, that defensive room is going to look real wacky next year um, if you have co-defensive coordinators. I agree, my man. I agree. But if that's the hire, we'll find out, I guess, moving forward. If that's a hire, that's that's a home run hire regardless. Um, yeah. Just on paper, what he brings as far as recruiting in the state of Florida, um, he can let his nuts hang around here. A lot of people know who he is. When mm-hmm. he, walk in, he walk in the locker room, anywhere in in America, they're going to know who T-Rob is if he play, if you play defensive back. The same vibes with Torrey and Gray. But T-Rob is more of a dog on that trail. He's going to do what he got to do. All right, so if you hire T-Rob, what role do you put him in? Do you put him in defensive backs? Uh, do you want to, uh, meaning corner and safety, do you want to do just defensive backs and then hire an additional safety coach? What What do you want to, what would your ideal scenario look like? Give him the whole, the whole defense, the secondary, give him the whole secondary and then get happy to see some help. I, I, I kind of like the, the, the all togetherness. I mean, it's, it's cool because you, cause you can get somebody that that uh that, that come in from time to time and split the DBs up as far as corners and safeties. But I just always liked us together so we all on the same page. Right. You know, it, it, I mean, what made us so great when I played was me and Janoris was always to the – we was to the field. So, you know, nine times out of ten, the ball is going to the boundary a little bit more. That's a shorter throw. Right, so we put Joe out, Joe to the to the to the boundary. So I really had to, uh, you know, speak with Janoris more than anything, and then major with Joe. So, you know, I, I need that corner right there in the room with me, so we can so we can know, you know, know what we know, be on the same page, and and, and ultimately, you know, um, get things right out there on the field. Yeah, I. So you said another offensive line coach, like a tackles coach. So. I'm sorry, man. I was catching up on something. Um, you're, you're, you want to bring – you want to have a seat to have some additional help on the offensive line? Absolutely. This guy can't recruit to save his life. <laughs> like Tristan Lee's whole family was about to come move to Gainesville, and he couldn't even close that, man. I don't know, DC. I'm just talking trash about yeah. Tristan Lee. Yeah, thing. no, I got you. Uh, he, so he just can't recruit, man. The offensive line we bringing in, like, I don't care how good he, he developing, man. Like – you can't turn that into a championship quali- uh, caliber offensive line with the guys he's bringing in. You, you cannot. That's true. Yeah, no, I, I'm a, I'm a gr- in agreement with you. I don't know if it's on the offensive line or the defensive line, or maybe you give like a tackles coach or something else. Uh, I think that you potentially might lose a guy like David Turner if you if you do that. Um, but I, Florida needs two dogs at recruiting. Ron English was not a, a great recruiter or even a good recruiter. Torian Gray was pr- was a pretty good recruiter. I think T-Rob is probably an upgrade from a recruiting perspective. 
Uh, coaching wise, you know, I don't know a ton. I've never seen T Rob outside of Will Muschamp, so it'll be interesting to see what what he does there. Uh, but I, you know, whatever it is, Florida's got to you know, figure out what they need to do because they they don't have recruiters on this roster. Yeah, we haven't seen T Rob without Muschamp, but he's I don't think T Rob would be calling the defense. So that would be the question if T Rob maybe calling the defense. But if he's coming in as the DB expert run that room do his thing to kind of fix the issues we have going on in there um i don't think the Muschamp matter i think Muschamp hired him because he's a good db coach so i think he could coach dbs well i know he could coach dbs uh the question is can he call a whole defense by himself without Muschamp? but don't look like he'll be doing that in gamesville regardless right well speaking speaking of which uh there is also some other coaching rumors of dan mullen uh, being potentially interested in going into the NFL. Uh, there's been some tweets, some commentary connecting him potentially to the New York Jets job, uh, potentially connecting him if the job opens up with the Chicago Bears. Um, thoughts? Uh, I'm not, on on I'm everything not. that's going on, not just those two things, but just on everything. I think there's – because there's also an article that came out about some friction between maybe the administration and Dan Mullen as well, um, some smoke with that. So I think he, he he's possibly looking for another extension. I'm not buying the NFL thing. Um, may he interview for some jobs? Atlanta may be a spot that, that possibly, but I'm just not buying Dan Mullen as an NFL coach, the way he handles media. Um, he's awkward with, with, with PR shit. Uh, him going into New York would be a clown show. I don't foresee him being able to survive in a city like New York with the way he handled post-game pressers, anything regarding, like, just PR stuff. He's just not that good at it. Um, but it's a good it, – I think it's good for him to try to use it for some leverage and get an extension, maybe get mm-hmm. a bigger uh, recruiting staff. I don't know any nuances of that behind the scenes, but I'm not buying Dan Mullen as an NFL coach until it happens. Like, everybody's freaking out doing all this. Uh, like, what is Miss Mullen going to do? Like, what's her role going to be in the NFL? I, I just don't think they family and what how he's built is built for the NFL. No, I agree. I think that this is a leverage play, like you said, for Dan Mullen. I don't think – I don't know if Dan Mullen is an NFL coach. Um, X and O wise, I think he's brilliant. He coach anywhere. I, I, I think – That don't matter, though. Right. I, I don't think as a CEO of a program type, I think that right. Dan Mullen would probably want a lot of control over things that he's not going to get in the NFL. Um, I don't know how well he would recruit free agents, you know, t- to play for him. Uh, there's just a lot of things about Dan Mullen that I think work as a college coach that don't necessarily translate well to the NFL. Um, I think that Dan Mullen is looking for some leverage. Um, he has three years left on his contract. He's probably looking for uh, more money, probably more security, more uh, an extension. Um, but whatever it is, I don't think that New York City would be the right place for Dan Mullen regardless. Uh, Dan Mullen does not fit the New York City culture. I think that he's a different kind of guy. Adam Gase was a different type of guy. He got eaten up alive. Adam Gase is probably a very good X's and O's coach too. New York City is very different. I think the NFL as a whole is very different. I don't think that Dan Mullen is a type of guy that is going to necessarily uh, work well in the NFL. I don't. I don't 
ever envision him going to the NFL, uh, at least as a head coach. I think that if something goes awry and he ever leaves Florida um, and he's unemployed, potentially as an offensive coordinator, something like that, but as a head coach. But I will tell you why I don't think Dan Mullen has said anything, and I think it has 100% to do with two things. Number one, I think it has to do with leverage, and if it's not for that reason, it's for number two. I don't think that Dan Mullen is going to say anything now because he didn't say anything last year, and I also don't think that anytime something comes up that potentially is going to connect him to something – he's going to respond because the first time that you respond to something, that means every subsequent time something happens, you then have to respond. So Dan Mullen last year, when there's some talks about him wanting to go to the Dallas Cowboys and reuniting with Dak and all that stuff, he never said anything. He never responded to any of those rumors. Now you have him connected to a couple other things. If Dan Mullen's the type of guy that is going to draw interest from the NFL, then you're always going to consistently deal with these rumors. And I just don't think that Dan Mullen's the type of guy that is going to respond every single time his name gets brought up to say, hey, I am not interested in this job because there's going to be a time that he might be. And that doesn't mean that he's not committed to Florida. This is a take that I was trying to get off. Just because you have something that potentially might pique your interest, say, hey, that would be really cool to do, doesn't mean that Dan Mullen's not 100% committed to Florida and the job and the capacity that he's in right now. I mean, negotiating is negotiating. Leverage is leverage, bro. Like, you got to use it. I'm pretty sure the agents, like, the guys do this, man. Um, Nick Saban's name comes up every year. Every single year. I don't want to deal with I don't want to deal with this Dan Mullen and looking for another job and, 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 and drawing interest. Bro, if you're a good coach and you're in college football, like your name. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Just- yeah, when you win some games, when an open, open, open coaching job comes about in the NFL, they're going to say your name. So, most importantly, when you're a quarterback developer, like that's what they want in the league. The league is trying to go towards the what, to what the uh, all this dual threat stuff that that the Chiefs is doing, you know, that the Seahawks doing, everybody else. So, uh, Dan Mullen is the, the whisperer of all this dual threat. Uh, read option stuff, man, and, and 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 getting that shit going. So, of course, they should be interested in it. I just don't think personality wise and, and what he want as far as control, like Dan was saying, that that's the move for him. Uh, but if he wants more control over UF, if he maybe can negotiate some more, some more stuff out of it while he's supposedly getting some NFL interest, he'd be dumb not to. Right. Right. But I also, there, there were some takes on the timeline. Ahmad, you're lucky you missed him. Silk, I know that you weren't on his phone as much. You might have still seen him. But the idea of firing Dan Mullen because he potentially has interest in the NFL is amongst the craziest takes that I've seen on the internet. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't have Twitter for a week because I would that is an absolutely asinine take. And I'm not trying to be critical. That's not a personal attack on anybody. But the idea that because Dan Mullen's name is being floated around in NFL circles or NFL conversation and he's not come out and said anything, that he should be fired because of that because he, you don't feel like he's fully committed is is a ridiculous take for so many reasons. There's people a lot like of people, people, like don't, people like they don't have – People act like they don't have jobs. <laughs> like, right. it's a job. You work at a job right now. So, if a, a competitive company or a company that's on a different level as far as like professionalism and, and getting to like the elite of the elites hit you up with some interest, like, who at what job? I don't care how much I love that job. Who at what job is not going to at least like give it a listen? Like, it's a job for, for these guys, man. It's a career. It's right. A career and, move. and a lot of same people are saying, hey, we need somebody that's 100% committed. I mean, Who's 100% committed, 
right? I Matt, mean, Steve Spurrier won a Heisman Trophy at your school and still left for the NFL. McAway right? ain't looking at no pro coach, no, no pro jobs. <laughs> no, we, we just said, bro, when you win some games in college. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want a safe coach that, that's going to just like uh, just rub your back every offseason and say, yeah, I'm not looking for any other jobs, you probably need to get a trash coach. Right. So Nick Saban was at Michigan State, LSU, the Miami Dolphins, and Alabama all over the course of, what, a 10-year stretch? Right. Right? Uh, Dabo Sweeney waited his time at Clemson. He's probably there for a bit. But, you know, whose name's going to be the first one named when Nick Saban retires? Dabo Sweeney. Right? right? But you look at all of these coaches that have been, you know, placed in your career. You were very glad that Urban Meyer wasn't 100% committed to Utah when he was there when Florida poached him. Right. right. There's a lot of re there. And then what you're going to say is, Hey, I want a coach that's a hundred percent committed to my school. And if they're not screw them, kick them to the curb. What do you want to do? Then you want to go and find a coach. that's not a hundred percent committed to their school. So they'll come coach for you. I don't think you realize how few coaches there are that are out there that can do this job and do it at a high level. Dale Mullen's not perfect. He has a lot of things that he can work on schematically. There's things that can work on. And I don't know if Dan Mullen's ever going to be the type of coach that wins you a national championship. But I also don't know that he's not that guy. And I think that there's some things that personally he can do that can make this program a hell of a lot better. But the idea to kick him to a curb because the NFL, where there's 32 coaches in all of the world that do it, say that they might have interest. And you're saying, oh, because he hasn't immediately come out right. and said something to Twitter that, you know, he should be fired or let go is ridiculous. I'm off my soapbox. Yeah, these people are children. <laughs> like I don't I'm not entertaining the comments. I just don't like until it's a real thing and we gotta go do a coaching search, I'm not paying that any mind, man. Um I just think it's gonna be the same thing every offseason until he's gone. And then when he's gone, we gotta make a hire, we do what we gotta do. There is an article that came out, shot at Thomas Gold Camp as well. Um that's the homie. Uh he put out an article out that what like um some of the violations that Dan did make in the recruiting stuff or the staff didn't make, they were fireable offenses. Right. Um do we want to talk about that article and dispute? Have you heard anything, Dan, as far as dispute between staff, Dan Mullen, uh, who's upset, who's not upset? Like, you think that's leverage with the admin as well? I think they got some genuine stuff that they don't like um, that he's doing. They, they see the stuff that we see as well. So I think there is some stuff that they see that they don't like, but I don't think they want him out the door. What do you think? Right. So so let's let's talk both sides of, of this leverage coin because both sides probably think they have it, right? Dan Mullen says, Hey, I've got I have interest from the NFL. Um, that that's his big leverage. Right. right. The the administrative side is hey, a, a couple of things. One, the recruiting violations. Number two, what do the one thing that the administrative people and boosters not want is negative attention brought on, right? You had the pack the swamp after the Texas A&M loss. You had the what shoe type of thing. You had some of the commentary after the, the SEC championship. Uh, there's just some, some negative light that was kind of brought, um, you know, onto to Florida. Um, so I think both sides think that they have leverage. Um, I don't know who has the upper hand in that leverage when the reports of the recruiting violations came out that they look somewhat damning. Uh, there is a show cause penalty in there. Right. Um, I think that that's already been served. Uh, but outside of that, I don't know who, who has the, the upper hand of the leverage here. I think that he stays at Florida, uh, but it's also not unbelievable to think that they are holding that card against them for not giving him an extension, which is maybe why he hasn't said anything. Extend the man. 
extend the man. Like, I understand what they're doing, but all this comes down to an extension. Uh, and I get it. I get both sides. They should do what they're doing. Um, that straight limb boy. I think extension, like, I think they, the staff, in my opinion, if I'm, the, if I'm the AD, this is what I say. Yo, I understand you want an extension. You know what I'm saying? We love you in the city of Gainesville. Things, things is booming and popping. But we're not feeling your D.C. Um, we're willing to extend, get a new D.C. and all that stuff, but you got to make some changes. So if I was the A.D. and I had to make some an extend, extension or negotiate, that would be my side of negotiating is, yo, you got to make some changes to this staff. Like, we ain't feeling it, bro. We ain't going to win no chip with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, but you have to, you have to look that, you know, it might not just be Dan Mullen that is in favor of Todd Grantham. It might be the staff or it might be the administration too, right? There's no there's more- way. No way they like that guy. I mean, may, who knows? I mean, they're paying $1.6 million. But that, that's – I don't think they can fire Grantham without cause. So, that I think that's – they're going to let Dan Mullen do his thing. They're going to override, you know what I'm saying, what he got going on. I'm pretty sure at the end of the year, like any other job, they come in, they come and talk about, like, yo, like production. Like, yo, this time is – this uh, Grantham thing ain't really working out. Like, I think you should probably make some changes. They'll suggest, but they're not going to make him do anything. But when it comes down to money and then negotiating back and forth, I think that that's just me. I don't know. I've never been in the right. room of negotiating, but that would be my tool. If I got any disputes with Dan Mullen, it would be defensive side of the ball. I'm not I'm not caught up in all those violations and stuff, bro. We're not gonna win big if we're not getting violations. Georgia, Bama, all these places report these same violations all the time. We get act fake mad about them. I don't give a shit about the violations. We're gonna we're gonna mess up, we're gonna do some stuff. If you ain't getting no violations, you ain't trying. Shoot, I'm mad that didn't. Found a couple bags laying around or something. We need to get busy. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I I don't know how this ends. Uh, Scott Strickland and Dan Mullen have worked together now at two schools. They've known each other for a while. Uh, I don't know what the posturing looks like. Jimmy Sexton, this is his time to thrive. He's Dan Mullen's agent. I don't think that Dan Mullen – I will also say this. I don't think Dan Mullen gets hired by an NFL team, right? I mean, Dan Mullen could want to be an NFL coach. But I don't know who's who's going to hire him, right? Uh, right? I think he's an elite offensive mind. I don't think he's a great defensive mind. Um, and I know that you can hire other people to do that. But, I mean, I think as an overall, you know, guy, I, I, Dan Mullen's been involved in a lot of head coaching searches. Yeah, and, and, and the guy that's writing the the, the, the the candidate pool is, is SEC Mike. Y'all relax. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, Vegas came out with odds today for the New York Jets job. You know, Dan Mullins is not even on that list. Uh, you know, according to Mo, said, there's probably one out there that you guys will tweet. He's number one. On oh, oh, SEC Mike's list, Dan's number one. Oh, that's very surprising. <laughs> he, was, he, was also, he was also Tennessee's number one coach back in 2017. <laughs> right. uh, and then all of a sudden his mood changed. Uh, you know, but I don't know if Dan Mullen isn't, NFL coach. I think that if he really wanted to have that job, the opportunity has probably presented itself at a better opportunity in his career than now. Um, I think Dan Mullen's always been a guy that's always been interested in other jobs. Right. You know, even when he's at Mississippi State, and you can talk all about Mississippi State you want, but Dan Mullen's been connected to a lot of jobs and not gotten a lot of jobs. He's interviewed for a lot of jobs that he never got either. Yeah, shot my man Spence. In, the, in our group chat, whatnot. but Spence had a take as well. It's like, like he, he, he coaches great, but he's gonna interview terrible. So even if they like him, this interview is gonna be so weird. We're gonna be stuck with him still. And I stuck with him because Dan's my coach. I like the coach. 
Uh, I think he can win a national championship here, but he just got to be, you know what I'm saying, willing to make some changes, man. Great coaches make changes. Um, I think Nick Saban was stubborn for a lot of years where he wanted to run offense and all that stuff, but um, to win it all, you got to adjust. So I think Dan Mullen can adjust and eventually win a, a national championship if he, if he don't stay stubborn. Uh, he calls great plays in, in, in his team's, he, he gets the best out of his players. Like, he's going to get players to their ceiling. You know what I'm saying? Whatever talent they got. So, man, our potential is crazy. If we get the right recruiters in here and the right players to play under a guy that can call X's and O's and do the things he do with play calling and, and, and just getting guys to just buy in, mm-hmm. like, we could do some things, man. But he's got to make some changes. But, damn, that's my coach. I ain't, got, I ain't got no problems with him right now. I got some problems, but they all fixable. Yeah, I think every single problem that people have with him is is fixable. Um, but those are those are our takes on Dan Mullen and his future. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Dan Mullen will be the coach or he won't be the coach. Life will move on. We will all move on. Uh, I like Dan Mullen a lot. I think that he has the opportunity here from everybody that I've talked to. I've talked to some very, 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 very close people to the program. And I don't think that Dan Mullen is actively looking to leave um, he's very happy in Gainesville. Megan's very happy in Gainesville. He likes the, the people he's around. I think like any person that's in a in a role that you have a board of directors or somebody that you report to, you probably want things that you're not getting or you're waiting on or, you know, there's there's other things I'm sure that, you know, aren't don't make them 100 percent happy. But what what job does? Right. Um, this is a job uh, at the end of the day, more so than just a, uh, a fantasy world of playing NCAA 14, uh, like a lot of people on Twitter uh, are doing, right? Right. Does that end our, our hot take section? Yeah, I'm out, I'm out of the take for, for that stuff, but I ain't finding the NFL stuff. Y'all boys relax. Um, the rivals seem pretty excited about the potential of Dan Mullen going to the NFL, so that warmed my, my fuzzies a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Silk, Ahmad, uh, let's change up the dock a little bit. Uh, Florida Gators basketball has started um, or has resumed. They're two. I ain't fired nobody yet, man. Yeah, I know. How about that? What's going on? (laughs) No, before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friend. Before we talk about basketball, pardon me, uh, give a shout out to our friend Lee Friedland of the law firm of Friedland and Associates. Uh, If you have an issue with auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, or any personal injury case in every jurisdiction within the state of Florida, give him a call at 1-800-95-INJURED or visit his website, yourfighthourbattle.com. And that's Lee Friedland, law firm of Friedland and Associates, 1-800-95-INJURED, yourfighthourbattle.com. Since the three of us don't pay as close enough attention to Florida Gators basketball as we normally would, let's bring on our friend Eric Fawcett from oh, a whole bevy of different websites, but probably uh, most closely associated with the University of Florida is Gator Country. Eric, how are you doing, my friend? Welcome back to Stadium and Gale. Hey, it's so good to be back. So good to be talking basketball and it was uh super cool to chill out in the uh, the virtual studio here and uh hear you guys riff for a bit so yeah thanks so much for having me on man eric i like, I like that shirt eric you got a little statement gave play statement gale flavor on the on the t-shirt i like it baby hey, hey you guys sent it a long way for it to get to me so uh you better believe i'm gonna wear it when i when i come on the show absolutely right. what's the weather like up there like you know 50? oh it was balmy today i think it was like 38 or 39 so uh Woo! we're yeah we're, we're doing good here we're doing well <laughs> 
that's uh, that's that's shorts weather, right? Shorts weather, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Eric. Florida Gators uh, start SEC play. Start off with two wins over Vanderbilt and LSU. Uh, give us the the kind of overview of those two wins. How Florida looked. Um, Colin Castleton wins uh, co-SEC player of the week. But give us a prospectus then moving forward for this Florida Gators basketball team. Well, starting with the Vanderbilt win, um, which was over a team that is, of course, uh, Vanderbilt, a Vanderbilt team that you probably would expect to see, uh, probably going to be at the bottom of the SEC. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the Gators just came off of uh, not playing for, for close to three weeks. And that wasn't just uh, not playing games. That was they were not practicing for most of that time. Uh, that's, of course, coming on uh, on the heels of the Keontae Johnson situation. I'm so glad that there looks to be like some some good news. And uh for those of you who are able to watch, uh, he was uh, he was playing the role of coach, Coach Key on the, the sideline against LSU. So uh, that was really, really awesome to see him on the sideline um, cheering on his teammates. But uh, but yeah, because of that, you had the Gators uh, going close to three weeks without hardly being able to practice and, and not playing any games. So uh, that's a recipe to get you beat. Um, you, we've seen a lot of teams uh, that have had to sit out a bunch because of, because of COVID and they, they come back really flat, but the Gators came in against Vanderbilt. They looked super crisp offensively. They played with a super high level of energy um, and they really, they really fought. And I, I would say that's kind of the story of this team so far. And that's something they carried in against, against LSU, who's a big physical athletic team with a few future NBA guys on it. And you saw the Gators come out and play with just a, a super high level of energy. And uh, perhaps most importantly, what, what everyone wants to see, the Gators are playing really, really fast, uh, which is something that Mike White has preached for multiple years. Uh, he has kind of promised it on a number of occasions and maybe didn't deliver um, as in he did not deliver in past seasons. Uh, but this year he, he promised he he's put everything on. We are going to play fast this year. And so far, so good. They are flying up and down the court. Uh, it's led by Trey Mann, who's looking like the McDonald's All-American. He was out coming out of high school. Right. Uh, and, man, they're, uh, they, they got a tough, tough win against LSU where they made a ton of difficult NBA shots. They really defended. And uh, like Dan alluded to, uh, man, they got a transfer in. Colin Castleton, um, a, a guy from in-state, wanted to wanted to come home to play basketball after he uh, played his first two years at Michigan. He didn't get much burn there, uh, which is looking pretty pretty foolish for that program because, man, uh, he's looking like one of the best bigs in the SEC. And uh, one of the one of the things that's really noticeable is is the is the change in vocal leadership leadership on this team. I think that some people that maybe, you know, tuned in last year, they saw a team that played pretty timid, pretty reserved. And uh, that's all right. When you're winning, it's a little tough to swallow when you're losing. And so far, when you look at the Gators and, and the way they play, uh, you see Colin Castleton getting a physical and one and screaming in the face of the guy that. Oh, I like his energy. Eric. <laughs> oh. Or little, yeah. little Tyree Appleby, like generously listed at six foot one, crossing guys up, pulling up from deep. And uh, that's my and, favorite. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, and, and I'm, so, I'm so like I be I be quiet over here. I've been tweeting a lot, and it's hard to get excited about oh. Blanco basketball team. But when Castleton start getting out, I be over here. Castleton, I get into my damn yeah. money thing or whatever, bro. But uh, I'm excited about this basketball team right now. That Florida State loss was a little a little stanky, but uh, that, that was a weird that happened. That, that, that was, was a weird, weird game. One. Yeah, right. that was a weird. That was a weird yeah. one. So uh, of course we had my man uh, Johnson go down with that with, with that scary uh, whole situation. But um, 
other than that, besides that game, I, I like the product he's put on the court. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that, that's big. I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is we know Florida's a football school and you're going to have to win over some of the casual fans. And I'm never going to be the guy who says, hey, um, like my sport, um, pay attention to basketball. I, I, I'm not going to try to convince people to ever do that. But I will say this is a team that I think people are going to have a lot of fun cheering for. Uh, Tyree Appleby, the little guy that, uh, li- like you guys said in the chat, one of your uh, uh, one of your favorite players, Colin Castleton, a player that's quite frankly bringing what I thought a a lot of people probably expected from Kerry Blackshear this year, but right. uh, he's doing it without the fanfare. And then you've got Trey Mann, who's just one of the best shot makers in in, in college basketball, and, and that's huge. And that is very much going to be the difference between uh, between them and a lot of teams in the SEC. And when you saw the Gators lose some tough games where they squandered leads at the, in games that they're winning by you know ten points or more in the second half, a lot of times it was because they did not have guys who, when defenses tightened up and refs swallowed their whistles. Uh, uh, could improvise and make plays out of the flow of the offense because man, it's, it's tough to be a system player at the end of a basketball game. Uh, you've got to be a hooper and uh, Trey man, he doesn't need plays ran for him. Um, he's not, you know, you know, he's, he's playing jazz. He's improvising. He's seeing what defenses give him. And uh, uh, when they just relax for a second, you see him use a hesitation dribble and pull up from three. And uh, man, you just saw him do that a number of times against LSU. And it, it's just, it's a very fun brand of basketball to watch. And so far it's uh, it's met winning basketball. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun time to, it's a fun time to be watching the Gators. Uh Eric, let me, let me ask you, looking at Florida's schedule here, it looks like they only have about four more games against ranked teams. They've got Tennessee, who's number nine, twice. They've got West Virginia, kind of right in the middle of the SEC schedule there, uh, who's ranked number 14. Then they have Missouri to end the season, who's ranked number 13 right now. Um, how, how do you think Florida does through the, the rest of the stretch of their schedule, uh, and where do you think they ultimately uh, you know, finish the, the season? Uh, well, the SEC is down this year, as you kind of mentioned, not as many ranked teams as, as you would normally see. Uh, and you know, going into the season, I had the Gator second. Um, of course that was, uh, predicting that they would have Keontae Johnson. Uh, most people had them third or fourth. Uh, but yeah, you look up and down the schedule and uh, you say, hey, it's going to be pretty tough to get uh, to get a couple wins off of Tennessee, who looks awesome, um, though they just lost to Alabama, who the Gators will uh, will see tomorrow. Uh there's a lot of wins on the schedule. And, and one of the big stories around college basketball has been that uh, Kentucky has been awful and they started the season one and six and the Gators get to play them twice. And uh, even if it's a down Kentucky team, uh, the chance to, to beat their breaks off twice is pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, once again, you look up and down the schedule that it, it's a down year in the sec and, and the Gators are playing really good basketball. And to think that they're playing really good basketball coming off of a stretch where they were hardly able to practice and coach white always, the most candid guy out there said uh, in the practices they did have leading up that uh, that they were not playing very well. Which everyone knows, Coach Candid, Mike White, he is always going to be honest if he thinks his team doesn't look good. And he said, "Man, we do not look good going into Vanderbilt." Uh, but they played awesome at Vanderbilt, and then they played awesome at LSU. So if they're 
playing this way uh, without a lot of good practices, without a lot of just time to get on the court together, uh, you've got to think that they're going to continue to improve. And they've got Alabama, who's definitely beatable. They've got Kentucky, who looks pretty bad. Then they've got the Mississippi teams that uh, haven't looked awesome. And you're starting to see a chance for them to string some some wins together. And uh, there's there's really no reason why this team shouldn't be uh, hanging out at the top of the, the SEC. I think Tennessee is, is definitely a level above a, anyone else, even though they just had a tough loss. Uh, but yeah, the Gators should be really looking at, hey, can we can we come second? Can we come third? And um, hey, but hey, if they keep winning, if they beat Alabama, who just beat Tennessee, I think they've got to be thinking, hey, can we can we win this league too? What's their ceiling? What do you think the, the potential, the, the highest point they get this season? NCAA tournament? If so, how far we can go? Uh, well, I absolutely think that they're NCAA, NCAA tournament. I think they're making the dance. Um, if we're having a full dance this year and a, a bubble or something like that, uh, I, I think, uh, I think, Oh, it'll be interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting without Keontae Johnson um, on the assumption he doesn't play. But but the thing about thing about Johnson is as much as he's a fantastic player, he was never a focal point of the offense. He was never a focal point of the defense. And that's really what makes him special was the fact that everything he got was in the flow of the offense and, and he never forced anything. But uh, if Trey Mann keeps doing what he's done every single game this season, and that's be one of the most dangerous scores in the league, if Colin Castleton um, keeps up with it with his performance, um, I, I think this team has to be looking at, uh, you know, if you finish top two or three in the SEC, uh, you're probably looking at a, a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, I think that would be the ceiling for this team. And if you're uh, if you're a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament, um, your seed expectation would be that you're in the mix for an Elite Eight or a, or a Sweet Sixteen, if nothing else. So um, maybe that's a little bit optimistic after um, only two SEC games, which did look really good, but they were just two SEC games, one of which was against a Vanderbilt team that's not very good. Uh, but you've got to look at uh, the way they have played and the way they have beat the teams in front of them. And so far, so good. It's it's all been encouraging. Now, you talked about, real quick, Dan, you just talked about Keontae Johnson before you talk about any X's and O's and maybe where the season is going. Can you give the average fan an update on Keontae's health and uh, future with the with with his health in basketball. Um, I'm going to uh, go along with the wishes of Keontae Johnson's parents um, that I've spoken to, as well as the university, who said not to speculate on what the long term future is. So right. um, there is a story out there. Um, your people are welcome to read that. Um, I will just say that I am very happy that uh, that his family was able to spend a super good Christmas together with him that he's on the, uh, on the sideline, able to walk and jump and, and, and cheer for, uh, cheer for teammates. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, his, his parents were pretty open about, um, not wanting to speculate on, on anything. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go along with that. Yeah. No, I don't want any health updates. I stay away from that type of stuff. <laughs> uh, just, just, just him and being in good health, good spirits and all that type of stuff. Uh, and we'll find out later if he'll play. But yeah, that's fine. You know, I don't want to step into anybody's personal business or nothing like that. So uh appreciate it. What do you got, Danish? Eric, what is the difference between last year's team and then this year's team? Obviously, different players, everything else, but the way that the game is is being played. I mean, have you noticed any big changes, you know, schematically or, or from a coaching perspective? 
Yeah, big difference in the way they're playing offense. And that starts with the fact that they that they are running and they're r- pushing after every make or miss. They're, they're not just uh, running when it's uh, maybe an obvious time to do so when getting a steal. Uh, they've been pushing make or miss. So even if the other team gets a bucket, you see Trey Mann cutting back towards their own baseline so that he can get the ball as quickly as possible and, and turn up court. And uh, the thing about playing in transition is, uh, uh, you know, people think about playing in transition like it's a foot race, like it's who can get there first. Uh, that's not really what transition offense is. That's not really what transition basketball is. Uh, playing in transition pretty much means that you're able to play one-on-one basketball, uh, but without the defense being structured in a way that there's help defenders there ready to meet you at the rim if you beat your man. So uh, sure. the Gators are pushing it, and in doing so, they are allowing guys like Tyree Appleby, who's awesome in one-on-one situations, and Trey Mann, who's awesome in one-on-one situations, uh, to go one-on-one before the defense is set up, before they're structured to stack the strong side of the floor. And they're they're getting a lot of those opportunities to, to, to cook and just put together um, their really advanced offensive structures and and uh, getting to really just like express themselves on the basketball court. And, and that's something that's so cool about the game of basketball. And the other really noticeable thing is uh, last year the Gators ran a ton of pick and rolls um, and that was a lot of hey how do we use Kerry Blackshear um, he's a big dude he's a threat in the pick and roll we want to use him and how do we get the most out of Andrew Nemhart, who's a great passer and someone who kind of plays the game at a slower kind of methodical pace in the half court um, the best way to do that was was the pick and roll so they ran a lot of pick and rolls and uh, this year they've um, more than uh, cut their number of pick and rolls in half so they are running drastically less pick and rolls and uh, so far so good one thing that i think is crazy i tweeted out the other day um in terms of a um you know points per possession um kind of the commonly the best way to evaluate um plays on the basketball court the gators are actually number one in the country in efficiency when it comes to pick and rolls so it's kind of quality over quantity instead of last year when they were running so many pick and rolls and maybe freezing out some of the players that weren't Andrew Nemhard and Kerry Blackshear um, they're running less of them when they do run them they've been really effective uh, but the ball's really moving side to side they're spacing out defenses um, they're stringing out defenses and and uh, what the biggest strength of this team is is that they've got some players who can play one-on-one and, and make plays and by by moving the ball side to side being unselfish it's giving those players an opportunity to uh, to show their skill and score. I like that. Uh, you're down two points. Two seconds. Well, I give you six seconds on the clock. Uh, who takes that shot? Trey Man. Trey Man. Trey Man. Trey Man. Trey Man. Me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for, awesome. Trey Mann is incredible. I mean, you you saw that <laughs> he, <laughs> uh, he he hit that he hit a couple of those those James Harden stepbacks where, um, like I really you know if you haven't had the chance to check out Florida basketball yet, um, checking out checking it out to see Trey Mann is is worth it on its own. Um, his ability to get in and out of dribble moves is incredible. He just has right. such a quick handle. And the thing is, he's he's jumped up. You know, he was six three six four as a freshman. Um, he's like six five six six now. So. Mm. So talking about hey, when it's um, when it's down to those final seconds, uh, you want a guy who can get a shot off against just about any defender, and that's Trey Mann. Between his ability to use dribble moves and footwork, and his just pure size, uh, he's he's your guy. And um, you know, if, you know, Silk. If you ask me that question, the last couple of years, I wouldn't have a good answer for you. The, yeah. the Gators have really lacked that kind of guy who can 
grab the game by the horns and, and take that big shot. Um, as much as we love Chris Chioza, he was not that guy. As much sure. as Andrew Nemhart was good at a lot of things, he was not that guy. Um, the, the Gators really have their guy in, in Trey Mann. And hey, if the team if a team wants to double team him and force the ball out of his hands, uh, Tyree Appleby's another guy who's just incredible at hitting shots off balance, incredible at creating space. So, um, you know, like I said, I said Trey Mann 10 times out of 10. There's going to be teams that are going to force the ball out of his hands uh, at all costs. And um, Tyree Appleby will, uh, you know, he's he's built to do that too, which is great. Yeah, I knew uh, the answer was Trey Mann. I just had to ask you for your height. Eric, you didn't talk much about him, or maybe you didn't. I missed it. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Anthony Derugi. He seems to be getting some more time out there and starting to come into his own a bit. Uh, what is what does his role continue to look like at uh, at UF? Yeah, so he's kind of taken on that uh, that power forward role that's vacated by Keontae Johnson. And uh, Louisiana Tech transfer. Um, so uh, he didn't play under Mike White when Mike White was at Louisiana Tech, but definitely some connections there, as was uh, with Tyree Appleby. Tyree Appleby's brother played for Mike White. But uh, so Druji comes over and he is just a ridiculous athlete. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he could do this again, but when he was at uh, Louisiana tech, he had a 46 inch vertical. Um, so I, I don't know if he's still touching, uh, touching that, but uh, uh, just a incredibly athletic player who uh, is still kind of polishing up some of his, some of his offensive game, though he's shown ability to hit, hit some shots. Um, uh, went to his pull up a few times in big moments against LSU, but um, he's long six foot seven and, and uh, can just leap out of the gym and just plays with, uh, again, he's one of these players that's just bringing an incredible, effort level and an incredible energy level um and that's something that you know i think we all here just just love to see we've all kind of gotten pumped up talking about how this team plays with so much fire and um anthony jeruji is absolutely a leader in that category um so he's he kind of brings that same kind of Keontae Johnson athleticism, um, except he's maybe three inches taller and, and a lot longer. And uh, for that reason, um, the Gators haven't really seen a huge drop off in athleticism. And um, you're also seeing just one of the most athletic Gator teams we've seen in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, there's a few players that we've already mentioned that are just really easy to cheer for. And Anthony Deruji, who's also just a tremendous, respectful young man, um, who's also just really fun to watch him try to dunk over everyone. Uh, he's uh, yeah, he's uh, he's an easy one to cheer for. There's no question. Cool. So, Eric, I don't know if we have any more questions. So, Ahmad, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you know. But I, but I, but I will, I will say this, Dan. Yeah, please. I, I'm 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 more excited this year to watch basketball, um, kind of than, than, than I was last year. For the simple fact of Eric did bring up a good point because one of the things that I, I always complained about um, last year and, and Scott Strickland kind of got on me a little bit, got in my inbox about. <laughs> I, I, I said we didn't hustle for the ball, yeah. and that was one of the things that 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 I noticed is when I because when we were in, we were in school with Joe Kim Noah and those guys. It was a loose ball. Those guys are diving on the floor, grabbing right. the loose balls and, and, and you know, uh, trying to save balls and, and play defense. And I just didn't see the intensity from from those guys last year. So um, looking at the few games this year, um, it's definitely a huge turnaround. <laughs> well, I, I know why you love Tyree Appleby then, because he's already had uh, had That's plenty my of boy. Those I love him, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's fast. He's shaky. Yeah, man. bro. I, I just like watching his energy. I like watching him play, bro. Yeah, I still got Blanco PTSD, so I ain't going to get too excited. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, hey, uh, hey, Eric, um, Alabama game, you think Florida wins that game tomorrow? 
Uh, yeah, I think I think Florida wins that one. I think that uh, uh, Alabama struggle. They they're a team that plays faster than any, they're the fastest high major team in the country. Uh, Florida is going to be happy to play at that pace. Um, except uh, Alabama just uh, not, not a great defensive team, and they have no answer inside for for Colin Castleton. They're pretty thin at the middle, and for Colin Castleton to just string together two uh, two games where he was you know just munching on on any defender that was put in front of him. Um, I think the Gators have a big advantage there. And then, um, hey, if you're looking for a really kind of fun game to to check out, then Florida's next one is going to be on Saturday against Kentucky. And uh, like I said, it's a down year for Kentucky, uh, but that's not going to make uh, beating them any less sweet. So I think that would be, uh, again, this is a chance for the Gators to just string together a couple wins and uh, hopefully, you know, get 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 everyone excited about them. Yeah, I always love beating the crap out of Kentucky whenever we can. Don't get that chance very often, so hopefully we get the chance this year. <laughs> Well, Eric, everybody knows this is, I don't, I don't know, probably your fourth, fifth time on the show. Uh, everybody knows who you are. Uh, plug where people can listen to you, where people can follow you. And I know that you have a podcast too, so shout that out as well. Yeah, I'm, I honestly pretty proud to, to be one of the guys that's been on the podcast so many times. So thank you. You are, the, you are, the, so number one, you are the number one guest that we've had in terms of appearances. That's got to be pretty surprising considering I'm also probably like the least famous when you're just, you know, rolling goat after goat, but Hey, I'll, I'll That's take right. that. Yeah, and the furthest away. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Gator country is where I write. Um, I like to think I bring, uh, bring an angle that probably no one else is, is really bringing to the Florida basketball coverage game. So I'd love for you to check out my stuff there. And if you want to get some more basketball talk, I do have a podcast. It's Florida basketball hour, uh, with Neil Blackman from Saturday down South. Um, also does some football writing there. Uh, Neil's really good. So uh, I love doing the podcast there. So, uh, yeah, those are some, uh, some places you can check me out. Awesome. Well, that's Eric Fawcett, F-A-W-C-E-T-T. Uh, give him a follow. Really great dude. Uh, coming to us live from Alberta, Canada. So shout out to uh, Eric. Eric, thanks so much for your time this evening and uh, go Gators. Appreciate it, my boy. Hey, thanks for having me. Go Gators. Talk go to you Gators. soon. Eric Fawcett. Great dude. Hey, I'm excited about this basketball team now. My last name was Fawcett. My nickname would be Big Drip. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> False. Oh, you gotta, you gotta make that work. I'm a nickname guy. Um, you, are, you are a big nickname guy. Yeah. Well, let's give a shout out to our friend Carlton Black at Envoy Mortgage. Uh, he is licensed in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. So if you're looking for a new mortgage or you're looking to refinance at historically low rates, give Carlton Black a call 404 769 5501 or email him cblack at envoymortgage.com. New mortgage refinance, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia, Carlton Black. Got a couple things to talk about. Let's get this out of the way. The Heisman Trophy ceremony is coming up soon. The odds that have come out list Devontae Smith as one to 15 odds to win the Heisman Trophy. That means that you would need to bet. $15 to win just $1. Mac Jones is right behind him at nine to two odds, which means if you bet $2, you would win nine if he won. Trevor Lawrence is third at 14 to one odds. And then Kyle Trask is at 50 to one odds to currently win the Heisman Trophy. After Christmas, $2 is all I could bet anyway. So. <laughs> um. Other news around the world, Steve Sarkeesian took over the Texas head coaching job. Crazy. 
That is Alabama's offensive coordinator, former USC coach, uh, formerly with Washington as well. Uh, rehabbed his career, uh, no pun intended, as the head coach, or uh, pardon me, as the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Took over for Tom Herman, who they said just days ago would be their head coach going into 2021. I guess they really only meant for a couple of days or a couple of hours into 2021. Uh, your take on that higher silk? I think they fired Herman to hire Herman with a with baggage. That's my take. Yeah. Do you, Ahmad? What's your take? You have one? Um, no. I don't think like I, I don't think they upgraded. I don't think they made an actual yeah. move. I could be wrong. Could the could the Alabama car wash may have cleaned them up? And he I just I, I just don't. I, I I'm just you know there was. They fall off the this, this Saban tree, bro. They they feel like everybody who who coaches on the Saban is is is, is going to be Saban. I'm not sure. I don't I think, think Sark was Sark was hit, Sark was a good coach before Saban. So I think they they were about more of like I mean the ultimate. But stuff but, but, but was he what, what, all that stuff? Yeah, but if was he, he a head coach though? Yeah, he yeah. was at USC yeah. and in Washington. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, this is this. I guess this is my thing on Steve Sarkeesian. I think that he's fine. Um, obviously, you know, he had the issues uh, with alcohol and uh, in, in things of that nature when he was with um, USC and I think with Washington as well. I think that he was a fine coach. He's 47 and 35 uh, as a head coach. Um, he won the Broyles Award, uh, was with Alabama for a little while, then went to the Falcons for a little while. I don't think that they loved him uh, there, uh, was with Alabama, um, and now is with Texas uh, and filled in as the interim head coach when Nick Saban was dealing with the COVID thing. Um, I don't think that he's a particularly great coach, and I guess that's, that's my biggest thing. You know, like you said, Silk, I don't know with firing Tom Herman, and there might have been some administrative issues and things that – seem to kind of always come up at Texas, but I don't think that you fire Tom Herman to hire Steve Sarkeesian and view that as a massive upgrade. I feel like there's something that, that had to have happened to really make that, that Tom Herman exit um, uh, quicker to happen. But I, I don't, I, I don't think that that's a great hire and I don't think he's going to be all that more successful. No, I think bigger names have been hired than Sarkeesian already at Texas. I think Charlie Scrum was a bigger hire at the time. I think mm -hmm. was a bigger hire at the time as well. It's hard to miss with uh we talk about Nick Saban's tree. Uh, Irvin Urban Meyer coach, coaching tree don't miss a lot. And Herman missed at a place that's almost a slam dunk. Uh, a lot of good coaches have missed that Texas, which is a slam dunk job. So I don't think it's the coaches. I think they got some admin stuff that they gotta take care of. I think it's the entire program. So I don't think Sarkeesian gonna do much. Just hopefully he can stay sober. Mm -hmm throughout this crazy team that is about to be in, in, uh, in Texas. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how he does. I think that he might be able to bring a, a slightly better staff with him to Texas, uh, but I think Texas has some other issues. I think um, Texas really thrived when Texas A&M was down and when Oklahoma wasn't nearly as good. Uh, recruiting is nationwide now. I think it's tough for people uh, in Texas to, to always stay at Texas the way that they used to. Alabama just poached six of the top recruits from Alabama or from Texas, pardon me. Um, I think Florida recruits Texas, um, Oklahoma recruits Texas, about us. Sure. California recruits Texas. Uh, well, Florida just took a Heisman Trophy finalist from the state of Texas, right? So um, I, I think 
I think that Texas as a job uh, could be great, but I think that there's a lot of expectation, and I think that some of the luster uh, might not be there. And I think that it's a it's a tough job, and I, I don't think that Steve Sarkeesian is going to be any more successful uh, than Tom Herman was. Uh, and I think we'll be talking about who uh, who Texas hires in, in another three to four or five years. Crazy. Mm. Yeah. Let's see. What else? Urban Meyer, NFL. You think he? Uh, <laughs> you think he? Uh, you, you think he's your new head coach, Silk? Yeah, I think it's going down. They're gonna hire. They're gonna uh, not hire. They interview like three black people because they got to um, get that out the way. But I think they hire uh, Urban Meyer. I think that's the big play. <laughs> uh, Ahmad, you play with Urban Meyer. Um, if, if, Urban is, if, is Urban, if he's anything like how I remember, he's not going to fucking Jacksonville, bro. But I could be wrong. Why would he not? Like, he's a pro job. Yeah. What do you? What do you? What do you mean? What do you mean? Is it a pro job? He could have been went pro if he wanted to go pro. I could have been. He, I don't think so. No. Why? Because hey, so, he's so, never so, had interest. So, like no so, NFL team has never hit hit Urban Meyer. You could like find like oh, so, never so, been there. So let's win a national championship and not not hit you up, but let let you not coach for three years and then hit you up. It's the Jags, bro. Let's uh, look, hit them up. <laughs> like, <laughs> they like, like, come on, it's the Jags. Like, it's gonna be fuck, interesting. Though, this, this is the reason why, like, you, NFL you, don't hit. This is the reason why the NFL don't hit Urban Meyer up. One, because the psychological games he played won't work in the NFL. That's one. Right. Uh, there's no recruiting. That's two. He's not an X and O coach. He's a CEO. Um, getting the respect of guys in the locker room is going to be a little different for a guy like Urban Meyer because he don't call plays. The special team coach is going to rely on his staff. So I think uh, the GMs, owners of, of NFL organizations, know that he's more of a CEO type of guy. He's not the guy that's going to come. He's like Dabo. Same reason Dabo win all these national championships. Like, why is Dan Mullen getting more NFL interest than Dabo? Because no matter how much Dabo win, he's not an X and O guy. He can't call plays. So – I think that's what started Urban Meyer before. But right now, with the quarterbacks that's coming in, do I think he can be a successful head coach? I think it's 50-50. I think the guy hires better than anybody in, in, in the industry. Like, you look at the hires he's made, it ain't no no big-name stuff that, that, that Urban's doing. This guy researches and he finds guys that can call plays, guys that can run a defense. He can hire. So I'm not going to say he, not, he, he won't be successful, but that's the reason he hasn't got a lot of interest in the past. Um, I think I think he's interested in this shit. I'm gonna be real with you. I think that's it's a real thing. Uh, you got uh, Justin Fields is a guy that that he coached with at uh, not coached, but he recruited. I would say recruited at Ohio State. Dual threat guy. Do a lot of things that he want to do. He got a relationship there because the guy's coming from Ohio State. You also got Trevor Lawrence, a once in a lifetime, a, a once in a decade type quarterback. Um, it's kind of a perfect setup for him if he does want to coach in the NFL, being able to coach Trevor or Justin Fields. Yeah, I, I think he has previously called um, Trevor Lawrence uh, one of the best quarterbacks that he's ever he's ever seen. I think I, I don't know. I think that Urban is a guy that loves control. I think that he's a guy that wants to be in control of everything. Um, I think it really depends on who Urban is paired with as a general manager. Um, the college game and the NFL game are just very different. Like you said, it's, it's, it's a it's different, bro. I just don't see him doing that. But I could be wrong. You see what I'm saying? Because he loves ball so much. Um, he, you know, he loves to, to, to thrive. He thrives off football. I think so, he thrives off of challenges too. Right? Yeah, 
yeah. unique challenge. And, you know, it's easy to look back and say Urban Meyer is one of the best college coaches of all time. But what if you could look back on it and say, you know, he's one of the most successful coaches, you know, of all time in football, right? I mean, there's not a lot of people that have been successful at both levels. Jimmy Johnson, Pete Carroll, um, there's other names that I know that I'm missing, but there's not a lot of them, right? So to be able to go in and do that with the opportunity to get a, the number one overall draft pick with a bunch of cap space um, is, is intriguing. You know, he goes back to Florida. He's familiar with that area. Uh, you want to know a place that I think could be a good spot for him? is the Houston Texans. You know, I think Deshaun Watson is a guy that he can work with. I think they've got some talent. Um, he, ain't, he ain't gonna deal with that. Nah, that's that's no, nah, I don't know. I don't he's know. not gonna deal with what? Deshaun Watson? Yeah, Deshaun Watson. I think he's gonna want something he can shape and mold, not have to fix some stuff that like Deshaun is not bad, but he's, he's old. He, right. No, not old, he's not old. He's not old, but yeah. he would rather have something coming out probably out of college. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I I think I think so as well. I think he would want because because again he's not old, but he he's in set in his ways. He's been in the league for a few years. He, you know, he been tampered he, with. Yeah, he gonna be what he gonna be now. You know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious. I, I want to see him coaching the NFL just to see him coaching the NFL just to see how he does. And like you said, I think we're gonna make a, I, as a Jag fan, I think we're gonna make a terrible hire anyway. So let as well make a terrible hire the guy you like. I like. I think. I just think. Urban Meyer can hire. Like, I'm not worried about – I don't think he's fit for the NFL game, but I think he's smart enough to hire the right people that are. Well, I think – you you mentioned that recruiting isn't as important. Um, I think – Free agency it is. Right. That's very, very important. And I also think that getting a staff is is recruiting at the end of the day. Right. right? You're going to get a, a, a group of people that have to believe in you, buy into your vision. You have a lot more opportunity because you don't have just one wide receiver coach. You have – how many position coaches did you have, Ahmad? You had a you had a, a, a safeties coach and then what, an assistant safeties coach? We well, something like that. So we yeah. had a safeties coach when we had a guy like a like a GA type deal like deal. Like QA. Um, yeah. Um, but most of the time we, we, we split up. Most of you know, we got together sometime, but most of the time we were split up. Okay. So that's why I say I, I like the times where we were together because it kind of got us on the same page. Right. So there's, you know, there's a, it's a bigger staff, bigger opportunity. Um, and you could really mold Jacksonville into something with all that cap space and number one pick. I think Trevor Lawrence is about a surefire number one pick as you're going to get. All right. And we'll see. All right, I got a couple more things to give, uh, give our boy Greg Brunt a, uh, a shout out. One time for my man, Greg, man, the best of the best when it comes to insurance, uh, great with customer service. Great was just being just there when you need him, man. Hit him up. He's at a phone call away, 954-589-2204. If you need renters insurance, you need anything that moves, insure it, a motorcycle, a trailer, a trailer home. Um, you need <laughs> uh, homeowner's insurance. You need life insurance. My man Greg got it all. 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policies. Greg, what it do, baby? Yeah, shout out to Greg. Got me hooked up again uh, with this new car purchase that I got. Um, shout out to his team. Got it all squared away and I don't know, about four minutes or so. So uh, shout out to his team. Um, the Gators Gymnastics squad starts this week and they will start the season as the number one team in the country. So congratulations to Jenny Rollins, Dave Miguel alumna as well. 
uh, and their team for starting off number one going into the gymnastics season. Uh, also, shout out to the women's basketball program who's in the midst of their season. Uh, unfortunately, coming off two losses um, in SEC play, but I believe they are seven and three. And Cam Newbauer definitely has them heading in the right direction. Anything else, boys, before we give our manscaped read and then we head on out? It's a long show. Long show. Yeah, we over two hours. We cooking. I ain't mad at it, man. We got to talk a little bit. Yeah, I got, got, got to get off some takes. I got another take I forgot to get at, though. I can't remember it. Mm. I'll probably remember it, like, later. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, put, it shot. put it on the timeline. No. I can get the timeline now. So put it on the timeline. No, I don't really do the takes on my timeline. I don't like. I don't have time to be. Yeah, they, they had a rough week. Uh, me? You had a busy week. The Jazz did. Oh, um, yeah. There's a couple more takes. You had. You had some people riled up. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know, all, <laughs> all of my Twitter takes this week, uh, I thought were were kind of you know even keel, middle of the barrel. Uh, <laughs> a lot about why somebody might not want to. Uh, to shoot down rumors, but also like how crazy some people are. So just stop being crazy on Twitter. I just put, man, it's a long ass show on Twitter. Somebody said Dan talking two hours about how much he hates Jacksonville. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't hate Jacksonville. That was a joke, by the way. Just get it. It was a small little joke. Uh, some, somebody had to stir up some controversy since I was gone, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to whoever hacked Dan. Uh, not Dan. Shout out to whoever hacked Amaz Twitter account. No, I just I know I know who did it. dog. wait. Let me hold on one second. Because I was going through my messages and I'm like, dog, this dude in my inbox telling his homeboy he snatched my my, my uh, account. His, <laughs> oh, name, his name is Zuwa. Hey Zuwa, shout out to Zuwa. So he and my thing talking about what's good. This Zuwa. <laughs> hey, what? That sounds like a hacker name, Zuwa. Oh, and then uh, his homeboy, his homeboy in there like. Man, these MFs know this shit hat. Yeah, y'all stupid. Like, y'all yeah. didn't change the picture or nothing. Like, literally. Um, um, well, you don't have, I mean, Ahmad's not a Star Wars guy. Ahmad's not a uh, Bitcoin guy. When all of a sudden, when Ahmad started talking about cryptocurrency, I'm like, all right. Uh, all right. I don't get his angle. Like, what's his point? I'm so confused why he hacked Ahmad's account. Because this is my thing. If I had hacked that account, I'm changing the profile picture, the ad handle. This is my shit. I got all these followers. These gated fans about to see me just talk about reckless shit. But it's crazy though, bro. I looked in my inbox, bro. I'm a screenshot y'all my inbox. This man went at every single person that I was that I follow or followed me that was verified and tried to and tried to scam them, literally. And and some of them was like kind of going for it, but it don't sound like me. So they kind of was like, whoa. And a couple people text my phone directly. So like this dude was like, I feel, I feel bad, like showing my face. I feel like I'm 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 looking at my inbox like I'm sweating dudes. You feel me? Yeah, you, so, you sweating dudes, like this, 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 dude, this dude, double, this dude, double messaging dudes, and dudes like, "Hold on, bro, I'm busy." <laughs> no. and I'm like, Man, bro, nah, but I want me, bro. Ain't gonna lie though. My first call me, bro, my was in disarray, bro. My my was in like shambles. He's like, "Bro, my somebody got my Twitter account." Oh, because like, I'm like looking at my phone. I'm like looking at my phone, and it's like. Your Twitter password, you changed your Twitter password. I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and it was like, they were like, you changed your Instagram password. You deleted Instagram. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what's going oh, on? So I'm like, bro, like, this is. How dog like, did all that? You must give him your social security number. Nah, bro, dude, I don't even know, bro, dude. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, geeked out, bro. Zuwa. 
Yeah, Zuwak, Zuwak fire, bro. I need Zuwak on my team because there's a couple people I need to try to scam, bro. Hey, I need, shout, I need to find Zuwak, bro. Shout out to the, uh, the the listener of this show that works for Twitter that hooked me up a couple weeks ago for with sure. helping change my username that helped us figure out a mod because the mods it wasn't just your Twitter, it was your your Gmail too, right? Yeah, it was my Gmail so, too, bro. I, 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 I still, I, can do anything. If anybody, if, if anybody's listening, that's does with instagram it's not a big deal they deleted my instagram too if i can get it back out that, that'd be cool if not i don't care <laughs> <laughs> right. i love it dude i love it well uh, mom we're glad you're back bro i appreciate yeah, it welcome back to twitter bro i don't know who's gonna argue it. with fans while you was gone like that we need somebody to argue with these fucking miami fans like they got yeah bro oh yeah you you missed all the fsu fans getting uh, their tweets off during the game right man yeah. yeah, screw all them. Um, one time for manscaped.com, the best of the best when it comes to men's grooming. You boys be sure. I know it's one in time, but you be sure to take care of them balls. Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off. Uh, the lawnmower 3.0 is still doing its fizzle in my life. The lawnmower 3.0 is keeping the wife happy, keeping my balls happy. Everything's great, man. Um, it's shower friendly. You can use it in the water. Uh Snack friendly. You're not gonna snag those jewels. You gotta take care of them. The family depends on it. Uh, I haven't been using my nostril. The little was the weed whacker. I haven't used that yeah. in a little bit. I may need to check in on the maintenance of, of my nostrils. They look pretty clear and clean. But uh, you got the weed whacker as well. If you need to keep your nose clean, if you grow a lot of dreadlocks in your nostrils, I got the thing for you. The weed whacker. Also, I, I advise getting the whole little gift package they got. Christmas is gone. It's not around the corner um, for 11 months. I know Dan may try to they, get that They off. ain't going to tell you it's around the corner in a little bit. Probably like around March. It's no better time than right now. <laughs> for next year. It's also Valentine's Day coming up soon, right? Word, word, word. Also my birthday coming up pretty soon, so support word. our sponsors. We can keep this podcast going. I'm going to tell uh, you something. Um, the underwear in that Manscaped package is – it, it those underwear enter my top five underwears in my drawer. Literally. Yes. They're fantastic. Comfortable wear. Uh, coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. State of Miguel. Support your boy. All right, Ahmad, you're back on Twitter. Let's get you the song of the week, and then we'll get get on out of here. All right, Dan. Let's see what we got in Arsenal. Let's see what we got, Dan. Let's see what we got. All right, we're going to go with uh, Moonwalking in the Calabasas by DDG. I thought she was on your iPod trying to find something. Moonwalking in the Calabasas by DDG. Yep. It's going to be my first time hearing this. Cool. <laughs> DDG. All right. Well. What do you think that stands for, Daniel? Um, are they a group or an individual? Individual, Dan. Um, Dandy Dan's a gangster. <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> hey, I want. I do want to report back, man. Do it out. I missed last week, but me and my man Dan we went out on the boat safe. Everything was safe. You know what I'm saying? I don't have any crazy Dan, Dan must ain't drive, Dan. No, he drove. He was like, okay, I don't know. Okay, okay. Different guy. He's, he's responsible. We had a good time relaxing. Uh, beautiful day on the ocean, man. I had a blast. Appreciate that, man. But I just want to report back, give my dog a good, uh, good Uber rating on the boat. 
five stars this time. So we even right. out to what? One star the first time, five stars this time. You're saying that a cool three, Dan. So. Yeah, you're, you're a nice heavy recruit. There you go. <laughs> I, got, I got potential. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see if we can develop you. Yeah, I got Hey, we'll have to do it again sooner than a mine. Whenever you and your family are down, let me know. We'll get out there as well. Damn, oh, Lance. Ah, dude. That's the name of the show. Damn, the last gangster. All right, y'all, boy. All right, we'll see you guys.